Geek Shock. Geek Shock. I should should I say ball prank ballpark prank fingers? Oh no. wow, no. kill boss of fingers. I've heard sausage fingers, sausage ball, fingers ball peen work. fingers, ball yeah. peen hammer. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> He's like, there you go, big old fingers. <laughs> well, it helps to be actually be able to draw at all. I can draw. Can you? <laughs> yeah, really. I have a book like Andy's at home. I used to draw as a kid all the time. Really, I, I couldn't tell. And I got it. I sent away. You know, do you remember those old, you mail in your drawings oh, and you no. get into the, I sent away Where for that. you had to draw the turtle head? And something else. But it was like the school, of, the Minnesota School of Drawing or something. <laughs> yes. Art, Art Institute or whatever it is. Let me guess you were accepted. Yes. Of course you were. <laughs> Everybody Yay. was. Everyone's accepted. Everyone's so, accepted. The prestigious college of Minnesota Art, whatever. There you go. <laughs> I was accepted. I didn't go. I didn't get a degree or anything, but I was accepted. That's right. <laughs> you don't want to go to that college anyway. Yeah, put that on your resume. I Might as well ex- go to DeVry. DeVry, <laughs> School of Art. <laughs> ITT, Technical Art Institute. We do art. ITT Tech. University yeah. of Phoenix. Oh, I don't that's know. the worst. You do you, man. <laughs> you do you. Just don't yeah. use your sausage fingers to do it. That's right. That's right. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 401. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. And we're here to talk Week in Geek. Um, we're, we're waiting for Andy. We don't know if he's coming. Um, earlier today, he said he was going to arrive. Um, we hope he's just taking a nap. So. He refuses to answer phone calls or text messages. So he might not arrive in the show. He might not. If not, I guess we'll talk to him next week. (laughs) (laughs) So for all you viewers out there, you just sit back and relax. (laughs) No videos for you this week. There is nothing to worry about. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, we're we're a little concerned. The the, the one saving grace is that uh, with his his thing... um, His eye thing. I mean... This thing. Your, your body's <laughs> constantly healing, yes, and that includes the eye, and it's it, the work that was done on it is still healing. Sure. So he apparently goes through these cycles where he gets hit with these massive sleep, gotta sleep. So right now the prevailing theory is that he is just zonkered out and is not hearing his phone, and and that's what we're that's what that's we're, we're hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> Either that. Or he's getting laid. Well, we're not hoping for that. No, wait, oh, we, okay. are, we are. Okay, we are. Okay, no, we are. Well, we know that's not happening. So <laughs> he's probably asleep. I, okay. I kind of got a side with Matt on this one. So. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. So, some people find pirates sexy. And, <laughs> Walk the plank. Let me stick with my Bagging leg. down the hatch. <laughs> so, gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> what geeky things you do this week? I saw Dark Tower. You saw Dark Tower. Yes. I saw Dark Tower. You did see it. I did. I saw it last night. Oh. I, I will were, never see Dark Tower. We're the Tower. only two in all of Vegas, probably. <laughs> yeah, really. Were you alone in your, your theater viewing or what? All right. Okay. This, well, well, here's my way in. Uh, succinct. It was the series finale for a series that didn't happen. Oh, wow. Actually, you know, that's pretty good considering what they had built up with, you know, it was going to be the TV series and the movies. What, and what, what do you think? I mean, didn't it strike you like this me, is the final episode of this series? No, it, it didn't, but I can see where you're getting that. Okay. Did you read the books, Kirsten? 
I read the first, I got three and a half. I was, okay. uh, I started Wolves of the Kala. Do you think you'll ever finish the books? I do not. Okay. Uh, Jeff, I'm not worried about spoilers. Matt, I have okay. not. Yeah. All right. I, w- I will give my full spoilerific opinion at the end of this podcast. So oh, okay. okay. For those of you who have read the books, you know, stay in tune for that. If you haven't read the books or don't care about how the books ends, because that figures into how I felt about the movie. Then, Just so you know, no, you can spoil away because I'm not going to go okay. see the movie. So we're going to save that at the end. But uh, there might be it's it's not for much for spoiling the 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 movie as much as the books. That's what I don't want to spoil for people. So if you're interested in reading the Dark Tower uh, at the end, I'll, I'll say when we go into spoilers, uh, that's the point you want to skip. Yeah. But if you're not going to read the Dark Tower, then then join us for that full discussion. But the light spoiler discussion, I think this movie is for one very specific set of people. Studio executives. <laughs> <laughs> not even I'm that. sorry, just kidding. <laughs> no, but that's obviously who made it. Um, if you have not read the books, this movie is not for you. If you have read the books and want a translation of the books, a, an ad- adaptation of the books, this movie is not for you. If you want a sequel to the books, this movie can work for you. Mm-hmm. But only in a very specific regard. It's the movie. And they sort of said it was a sequel, didn't they? Yeah. It, yeah, that, that much is out there. But if you go in not knowing anything about the Dark Tower books themselves, about right. even, even the first book, this right. movie is confusing. Yeah, no, I, I was definitely drawing on the books, the knowledge that I had read uh, to, to put together pieces for this. The stand could help a teensy, teensy bit, but not very much. No. I was drawing on what I and and also I've read so much about the sure. series that I was drawing on that too. <clears throat> so I will say this, uh, Walter, the mm. character of Walter, the Man in Black. Uh, I think this rendition of him is actually better than the books. Right. I I, th- I think he is a much stronger protagonist in this movie. Antagonist. He, that's what I meant. Antagonist <laughs> in this movie than he is in the books. Yeah. Well, of course, it's because it's Renaissance McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> and and he and he plays that villain well. He, yeah. He, he chews that scenery up beautifully. Yeah. And Idris Elba, I think, embodies the gunslinger well. Roland that 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 coldness of the gunslinger. I, I was sad because I, I really like Idris Elba and I want him to, I want him to star in uh, a big old blockbuster, be the man, you know, not yes. be just him doll, but be the man. And, uh, the him doll movie. Yeah, really? Mm. This is, this is obviously not the one for him, no. unfortunately. And the, they might still do a TV show. It's, it's in the news somewhere, but they haven't given up on that because right. apparently they did a, a survey of a bunch of people leaving the movie. and <laughs> When it was done or during? Uh, during Rimshot. <laughs> After the movie was finished. And the interest in a TV show telling about these characters was like at like 80%. Oh, okay. So, Is that a good sign for those types of things? I yeah. Don't know. I mean, a, really it sounds good, good but... <coughs> it's showing there's still interest in that property. It, it was a, I mean, the movie was confusing. Watching the movie, I'm like, they really needed a couple of seasons of TV leading up to this. Oh yeah, and and it, and and it's so weird because Dark Tower, right now with all with with HBO and Netflix is doing, you would think Dark Tower is ripe for that very very approach. I'm. And, I'm Actually, kind of glad that this one is failing, failing, failed. Sure. 
because I have a feeling this will be tackled properly in the future. Hopefully. That this won't be the nail in this coffin. It'll be like, you know, well, I, I like to use Constantine as an example, but the TV show didn't fare that well either. Yeah. But the TV show was like, superior to the original Keanu Reeves film. Mm-hmm. So God, I'm hoping hope. something like that will happen with it. And they keep tossing around Constantine might make it back to the CW sure. or make it back on TV on the CW and become part of the, cause he, they've already established that character as part of the, you know, the Arrowverse. Yep. So now I will say this This probably will shock some people. I liked this movie. It's flawed. It's broken actually in many ways, but I actually liked it. And it's only through one very specific prism way of viewing this movie. But that's what I'll talk about at the end cool i did finish of course the books leading up to it i finished them last week a couple days prior to episode 400 which i'd hoped to go see the movie before that episode but uh, of course i was sick you can still kind of hear it in my voice a little bit yes but uh but i'm back i'm good uh thank you everybody for your well wishes the mo- the books i loved it uh there's a i know there's a lot of controversy about how those books end i know there's a lot of people that don't like how Book eight ends. I love the ending of The Gunslinger, the whole Dark Tower series. It actually has two endings, and I like them both. Those who have read know the two endings. And the second ending actually kind of informs the movie. Each book, I think I liked better than the last one going forward. I, I Book five, Wolves of the Kala, I think sunk a little bit beneath book four, but it still climbed upwards from there. So. Is that why you stopped? Because you felt the same way, like it was just going down. Uh, no, I just—it's a slog read. I, I just, I, yeah. I never finished the first book because I just like I would read like a chapter. Usually, when I was in college, I would read a chapter like in between classes, and at one point, I'm just like, ugh, it's just so taxing because you know you have to actively read those books because there's so many details in there that there was a lot of times I was like. I would read a chapter and I'm like, shit, did I miss something? I'd go back and reread a previous chapter because then I was trying to do schoolwork too. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 a hefty read. That first book is the toughest. I will say Stephen King went back and revised that first book oh, yeah? and added some things in there and, and cleaned up the writing quite a bit because mm-hmm. if you read the original release of the first book, it is a very archaic kind of language in there. It's, it's very, very thick and kind of stilted. Uh, that's kind of cleaned up, and he makes a lot of references to how he knows now how the book's going to end. So he brought some things full circle, if you will. The other reason I didn't finish is because the book got stolen. Well, that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, it was it was in my it was in my my book bag, and uh, it was in the back seat of my car. And somebody thought it'd be fun to smash the back window and take my book bag, which had nothing. In it worth stealing, except ah, for jokes on them. school books and you know. Now you gotta out. learn. <laughs> <laughs> what it did? It did suck though because I had to go buy expensive books again when I didn't have any money to do so. But across yeah. my university, they had a um, and then replaced the window too. So. Second end bookstore or whatever. I always hit that up when I oh, needed money. Oh yeah, I I did that too, but it didn't matter. It, it was still you know it's like new books are seventy five dollars, used books forty eight. It's like yeah. Man. I did that one time. I bought a uh, used one for a computer class. I forget what it was. And I took it in, and he didn't go to the book at all. Yes. So I was like, I'm not buying a new book ever again just because of that. It was like my second year. 
at KU, well, was... we used to be able to sell the books back at the end of the semester, but you only got like a quarter to like half of what you spent, and then they would turn around and sell it for yeah, the next semester, than... and it was... It's like yeah. GameStop. <laughs> exactly. What you know, like I was just right going to say, it's exactly like, <laughs> like GameStop. GameStop. They'll give you like five bucks for it, and they turn around and sell it for 35 So, And students now are going, wow, 60 bucks, how quaint. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I, apparently, a lot of those books you can now get digital versions, like on your Kindle and stuff. Yes, you can. And they're and still ridiculously they're, expensive. Well, still, but, you know, it's much easier. Like, you can get them instantly and do it like one full swoop instead of like um, one semester. I had to go to three different bookstores in town because the university bookstore was sold out of the one book that I needed. And then there was one that was just off campus that sold the same uh, books, you know, as long as you had your your course schedule and they were sold out and I finally went to this third store that just had like one copy left and it was in terrible condition but they still charged me like like 50 60 bucks for it I mean it was I mean like I'm talking like you know pages or partially shredded on the edges and just a bunch of little dicks and shit fortunately not that but yes there there were you know hand drawings and stuff in the yeah anyway yeah, going back to that, um, the Dark Tower series, there's only been one series so far that I've read where I had to stop and very vocal about it, but the Horus Heresy, you know. Yes. So, yeah. Torgo well, knows. Well, you, you have to realize that there's an ending to a series first. Yeah. And they're in the 30s now, or is it yeah, 40s? something fucking stupid. 40, 30 or 40 books, and they're still not done, so, yeah, I don't expect that to ever end, frankly. Yeah, really. It's so good, though, but I can only read so many different points of views from different squad mates or different planets or whatever. Right. So you know. Just get to the fucking one Earth day, already. One day, someone will attempt Horus Heresy as a, as a film or a TV series. Somebody's going to do it. I'm going to suggest it for the book club. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of book, this? Speaking of book club, we are uh-huh. still talking about Marvel 1602 by Neil Gaiman. So uh, feel free to drop in if you have read it or if you're still reading it and finishing it soon. We'll be taking, probably taking nominations for next month's book next week. So, please, yeah. Uh, the, I would not have liked the Dark Tower movie if I had not read the books leading up to it. Simple as that. If, there's no way I would have liked it. So, the only pe- people I recommend this to are people who have read the books and can view the movie in a very specific way. And that's it. Yeah, the movie was a failure. There were some great moments, some neat action, and again... I, I liked Walter as a protagonist, protagonist, antagonist. <laughs> he, he, uh, he was Depen- a good Depends on your point of view. Depends on your point of view. Thank you. If he's hey, there, you there you go. You know, we have to look at both sides, all sides. All <laughs> sides. Yeah. They're right. equal. They're equal. Ouch. They're the same. Ouch. It's violence on both sides. <laughs> Well, I, ha- I have a, it, ironically, it's an almost Andy geek story today. Ooh. Because I, w- I had planned on doing some geeky things today. I had to go in to do this stupid training at work that's like the same stuff that they do. They make us do every year, and they keep repeating the same stuff, but that's beside the point. So I, after there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go hit some collectible shops, make a day out of it, since I'm already out and about. Then I kept getting stuck in traffic, which was really frustrating. And in, anyway, so I finally, I finally hit some of the ones on the west side that I wanted to hit. A couple of places like the West Side Zia, which I never go to. Um, oh, the one on Sahara. Yeah, one, yeah, the one on Sahara. Which when I first walked in, I was like, "This is a lot smaller than 
than the one by us. Whole and then, section. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that they, they had cut into like the shop next to it. Yeah. But uh, uh, just c- totally different selection as far as like the used toys and games and stuff, which I thought was kind of interesting. Big uh, Bang Toys? Please tell me you hit that. Big Bang Toys? No, I didn't hit that oh. one. It's right beside. Is, is, is it? Right I missed beside? it? Yes. It's, it's, it's not in that same... It's like shopping next- center, but it's a shopping center next door. Yeah, like further west or, or back west. east. Oh, okay, that's I didn't go that far. Though. Oh, it's so good. That place is. I great. will have to keep oh. that for next time. That's our Millennium fandom bar. Yeah, but uh, so I was thinking, I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna go get nerdgasms, and then I'm gonna go out to uh, the the toy store that you told me about that's out on Boulder Highway. So okay. I'm like, all right, cool. You're all over the town. Oh, that one's good so, too. So I Brad's so. Toys. It took me over an hour to get from Sahara and uh, I think it's Arville over to Nerdgasms. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to park over here and uh, after I hit Nerdgasms, I'm going to hit Pinball Hall of Fame for a minute. Sure. And then I'm going to head over to this one. Well, like I said, it it took me over an hour to get there. So it's like after five when I finally get there. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to do Nerdgasms and Pinball Hall of Fame. Walk up to the door of Nerdgasms. It's closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. Really? My day's off. It's closed, of course. Lucky. So <laughs> then I'm like, well, I guess I'll go play some pinball. Uh-oh. I go, <laughs> I, close, I'm close, like, close. please tell me it's closed. No, no, it's open. It was open. I put five bucks in the machine, get my quarters out. I go play a couple of games. One of them. It's a it's a dollar game. Oh, we heard from Andy. I have an Andy update. Uh huh. All right. Commander K just received a series of two texts. I would like to quote them. Okay. The texts are, "Fuck, laid down for a quick nap and just woke up." We the, called it. The next uh, text, "Fuck, fuck, fuck, fuck." <laughs> so, so Andy is okay, just asleep. Well, not asleep now. Um, and I'm guessing probably won't make the journey <laughs> this late. Tell him, you, t- tell him, you turned your ringer off, didn't you? <laughs> uh, so please go ahead with your, your story. So anyway, so I go in and I'm like, I'm, I'm playing a couple of games and one of them is like a dollar. So I'm like, okay. So I put like first. The, like the new pinball machines. Yeah. So I put, uh, put my first quarter in, second quarter in, third quarter in, it doesn't register. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> And I push the, the, the slot return, and it doesn't work. And Let I'm like, I guess you only brought four quarters with you. Fine. So I put, I put in the other quarter. So I lost a quarter on that machine. Then I go to one that's a 75-cent machine. Like This is like right before I'm about to leave. Like I only have like $2 and quarters left out of the five. Uh, so 75-cent machine. I put the first quarter in. Second and third quarter don't register. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and this, and this in the back going. <laughs> so I, I'm just like I'm like looking around for the attendants. I don't see either of these ladies anywhere. Like went back to the the desk and everything. Come back up and I'm just like, fuck it. And I ended up leaving. But you know, basically, I lost <laughs> I lost valuable coinage for. <laughs> You lost that's three, 75 cents you, you lost, lost. You lost three quarters. That's, that's a game, man. I lost two games because I didn't have... three quarters. <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's story. It's I, rough. I, I went down the street and lost three quarters. That's kind of the same. <laughs> it's rough. That's two games I got robbed on. Yeah. Actually, technically three, but I won't go into the third And then one. you add to that, breaking in his window and stealing his backpack. Yeah, yeah. I that, understand the bitterness. Buy those books. No, that was like 30 that years ago. That was expensive. Ago. Very expensive. And of course, you know, he didn't get to go to Nerdgasm. No. So. But yes, <laughs> still haven't been to Nerdgasms because everything I want to go see is closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, apparently. 
That's funny. Because Sunday is a shopping day now. Well, at least in Vegas. Yeah, can't, really. can't speak for the rest of the city, but in Vegas, Sunday is a shopping day. That's what they say, but when I do get the occasional Sunday off and I go out shopping, there's nobody around. There's like It's like, oh, okay, ghost well, town. In, they're in church. Oh, wait, you're not up that early. No. Okay. <laughs> what else you do, gentlemen? I played some more Catan. Remember? S- solo Catan. Yeah, remember? Uh, I, I remember your face when I mentioned how many games of Solo Catan I played. Yeah, jaw-dropping. Dude. I actually went through the leaderboards. Mm-hmm. There are people, and I don't think they're people. I don't I think, think they're people either. I think they're accounts. I think they're creatures. That have over 12,000 games logged for solo play. It's a great game. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking... But it's also for some people a way of life. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking it's an account. And like the whole family plays, sure. or maybe it's an account at a that game store or something like that where people log on and play all the times, you know, uh, at, a, at a boys ga- and games. girls club. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, where the kids just sit and play. I think it's something like that. Because, man. Now, how many of you logged again? I can't remember. I am up to 496 victories and 382 losses. All right. So, so I'm over 800. 800 games. Solo. 12,000. Yeah, 12,000. Wow. There's one guy, he's like got 5,900 victories. And I, it, the funny thing is, is it doesn't tell you what setting that's on. <coughs> Probably easy. I don't know. <laughs> well, they rank him at number one. Okay. So it may be. I think you can't do easy and get ranked. Okay. That's, I don't, I've never played I mean, it, that's, so. that's an assumption on my part. Well, playing easy has sense. altered my rank, so you can. But oh, it, okay. may, it, may, it may be weighted. So, because the guy who had the number one, if you go to Catan and you hit the leaderboards, it'll show you um, because you can scroll through your ranking surrounded by your friends, your ranking surrounded by others around you, or you can do overall, which will just go to the top person and down. And when I went to the overall, the guy with 5,000 wins did not have the most wins. But he was number one. So I think Mm. that there is a weight to the rankings. Okay. You think that he doesn't call his Xbox 360 an Xbox 360 that in that family it's called the Catan machine? I don't know. (laughs) Leave me alone to play the Catan machine. (laughs) Well, it's funny because I started getting grim thinking. I started thinking of like some poor, uh, you know, totally housebound disabled guy who just sits there and plays Catan because it's the game he knows. He does well, so he likes to play it. Or yeah, you know, this I, is getting I, dark. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? I gotta stop thinking about this. <laughs> this is awful stuff. So, but you know, who knows? I still think it's just an account that a bunch of people play on. Probably. I hope so. Because so. that's that's. I mean, it took me years to get to where I'm at. It's not like I did 800 in the past four months. Although you could. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there are people that only play like one game. I I, I have a coworker. Lay me alone. Play my Call of Duty machine. I, you're 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 pretty close. I mean, this guy, my coworker, he's like he's like yeah, I've got an Xbox, but I only uh, I only Madden. bought it to Madden. play Madden. Madden. Mm-hmm. Madden. And then I guess uh, I guess uh, he plays now uh, MLB, one of the MLB games the show, on there. Probably that one. But, I got my uh, Xbox only to play Catan. Yeah, but he just told me he's like he's like I only two I only play those two sports games. That's it. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, there's hundreds of games, right? It's like, yeah, none of them interest me. I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
M- more be, more and, power to it. Yeah. The show is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not yeah. arguing. I like I yeah. like my occasional sports game. I can't play Madden anymore because it's just too goddamn complex now. I hate baseball, but I will play MLB The Show. You hate so, baseball? So oh, yeah. will I. I Aren't you a Blue Jays the... fan? Oh, that's why you hate baseball. Sorry. <laughs> what are you talking about? Sick, sick, this year they're bad. Sick burn. <laughs> it was like a third. Sick burn. <laughs> sick blue, sick, sick blue, day, blue Jay burn. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, honestly, actually that makes baseball me think Baseball is boring to me because it's like... Spy on and a miss. All right. Uh, let's go to our sponsors. Okay, 20 minutes go by. They yeah. Next pitch. Nope. Okay, all right. Uh, so, Johnny, what did you do yesterday? I don't know. Oh, shit, here's the pitch. Uh, Spy on and a mess. All right. Well, that's um, why they introduced the whole stat thing. It's to give people to do while they're watching the game. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, you know, it's funny. Oh, I, there's a cloud in the sky. Call it. I think it looks like a castle, Brent. Now I I do feel like I should qualify like my story there with the the guy in the Xbox is like you know like what you like play what you want to play I you know I'm not knocking him for not playing other games because Jeff's right you can't be too careful nowadays we got to be nice well no I just I, and I think the reason I bring it up is because I keep hearing a lot of people calling out fellow geeks and saying you're not a true geek because you don't like this for this this and this this reason and it's really starting to bother me because if you like something you don't need to qualify why you like it you just like it you do enjoy it and what what really kind of set it in stone for me was uh i was you know i was at work and i'm you know sitting in the break room and somebody's talking about you know this person's not a not not raising his kid right because he's not teaching about the history of this sports team or whatever and it reminded me of some of the the conversations that i've overheard like at comic-con and stuff and it's just like what does it matter if they like this sports team or they like this geeky tv show what does it matter if they don't buy into all the minutiae like we do i mean like yes i'm a super nerd when it comes to star trek i love all of the little pieces of canon and so forth that go throughout the whole series but I run into people that like Star Trek that just like it because it's fun. They enjoy it. They like watching it. Or all the various series. How about don't like Star Trek? Yeah. And if they don't like it, that's fine. So, I mean, it's like... Burn them in fire. I don't know. It's, I just, it's, it's, it's that ingrained it's been, evolutionary tribalism. It's just been getting on my I'll nerves go lately. Away. Because, uh, you know, I, I read a story about a young lady that went to a... Um, recently, she took her, her little girl to a, a comic book convention and got to meet Peter Capaldi, who is her favorite doctor. And the, the girl, I think the girl is like maybe eight years old. And uh, so they're sitting there, and some guy sits down next to her, and you know she's dressed up like Capaldi. Matt Smith is the best, like and, that kind of thing. Well, it, yeah. it said it's like you don't even, you're not even old enough to know anything about Doctor Who. You know why do you like this? And the the mother like cut the guy off. But I sat there thinking about that. I'm like, so frequently I do hear that kind of stuff happening, and it really does bother me. All because he- sure, you know all- that this is a young girl. She's just getting started in it. She's picked her favorite doctor. She enjoys it. She doesn't need to explain to anyone why she likes that. Just celebrate the fact that she likes something that you also like, and don't berate her because she doesn't know all the other twelve doctors in the series. So he's the newest one, then. I don't Capaldi, know Doctor Capaldi is so. the is the most recent one. Um, the they've one. announced okay. the the next one, uh, and I can't remember her name right now for the life of me. But that was a whole another source of controversy. Like, well, that's not Doctor Who. It's like you know what? It is Doctor Who. It's established in the series, so fuck off. 
I think so, a lot of that is geeks showing off. Yeah. That, you know, look at all the Doctor Who knowledge I have because I have invested right. all of this time and maybe one day you will get there, young Padawan, uh, but you are not there yet. And so there's that. And then there's another one that's like, oh, you're not like me. Yeah. Look at that smile at the end. You're not like me. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think collectively we as geeks, we need to just celebrate that somebody actually likes something. Mm-hmm. And not tear into them because they don't know as much as you know sure. about it. Now let's that's, talk about those Twilight thing. fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you do this week, guys? Sorry to get I'll go off my soapbox now. No, I like that oh box. It's a good goodness. box to stand on. That was some boxing. Anything else, guys? Uh, can't think of anything. All right, I want to hit a few pieces of mail. I honestly can't remember. No. No, I can't. You usually can't, so I'm just giving you a pass. Okay. Your soul-draining work just to completely... Matt, Matt wants uh, everyone to think he doesn't do anything geeky No, at I do. All, it just I don't remember. Right. Which, which you know, he, he didn't like what he likes. You know, he likes Thank you. Blue Jays and hates baseball. That's, <laughs> he, likes, he likes birds and hates sports, I guess. That's what that means. <laughs> I, like, they're I like hockey, eh? That's all I like. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's what i like don't you know, berate me because more, I like, well, no more power to you man i like when water gets hard and people skate on it i, I asked for some responses a couple of weeks back about uh recording audio oh, of yeah, movies yeah. Uh, back in the 80s yeah we got a few on like the the shock monkeys lair and a sure. couple others but, and yeah. uh, we got sent a couple of emails as well because i nice. did ask so here's here's the first one, guys. You talked about recording things from TV and movies to audio in Geek Shock 398, and awoke some old memories in me. Music has always been my primary passion, so my taping habits involved making mixtapes of songs I liked from watching MTV's Alternative Nation, 120 minutes, and Unplugged. Wow. My method was run the audio out from either the TV or the VCR into the RCA input jacks of my boombox. Nice. Where the geek intersection occurs. Done that once or twice myself. Where the geek intersection occurs is my love for video games and their soundtracks. As an Mm. 80s kid, I cut my teeth on those and and 16-bit classics and found myself wanting to hear more of those classic video game tracks when doing non-gaming activities. To get the video game music, I ran the audio output from the console directly into the boombox. Favorites for my random soundtrack mixes included the themes from NSA... The NES games Solstice, various bits from the first Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy games, uh, OG Zelda, Zelda Link from the Past, DuckTales, and the Willow NES game, to name a few. I I had that one. That was a good one. Willow was a fine game. Yeah, it was good. I wasted a lot of great time on that one. I find myself still making my way back to these old soundtracks via YouTube these days, and I've passed the bug on to my oldest daughter, who has gotten her hands on the soundtracks to Undertale and Castlevania Symphony of Night. As always, keep flying the geek flag, ever your friend in geekdom, Justin, a.k.a. Froyog Soft Serve. B.S. Heal swiftly, fact check Andy. Those jokes won't smother themselves. (laughs) He's healing. He's resting. Actually resting. Yeah, he's very well rested. This week, the pillow smothered him. (laughs) Oh. In Geek Shock, pillow smothers you. (laughs) And another email, uh, dear Gladys and the Pips, I'm 41, (laughs) which, best guess is here through memory fog, put me about eight or nine around... 84, 85, when I was birthday gifted one of those silver tray cassette players that looked like a really thin metal Kleenex box with the extendable sliding carrying handle and built-in condenser mic. 
What did I record with it? MTV and Nick Rocks. I had a wooden fort in the backyard, and I listened to my pirated audio while switching the legs between my G.I. Joes. What kind of stuff? Juice Newton, Heart, Men at Work, The Cars, Oingo Boingo, Duran Duran, T'Paw, and of course, Falco. I distinctly remember those. To the best of my knowledge, I only ever recorded two movies on tapes. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but for some reason, very young me was into Freeway, a modern retelling of Little Red Riding Hood, but in an actual hood, starring Kiefer Sutherland, I, and I think maybe Reese Witherspoon's first feature performance. Don't judge me. Uh, the other dr- movie was Dream a Little Dream. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. One of the CNC m- Movie Factory products. Come on, admit it. 13-year-old you thought that version of Rock On was the absolute tits. 13-year-old you was right. And current you is insanely jealous of Pat Oswalt for being engaged to Lanny. You asked. <laughs> I answered. I refused to tell you I also pirated Jem and the Holograms to listen to. Much like real life, the misfits rocked into the 80s. Formerly the Thomas and now the Alice. The Alice. So thank you for writing back and everybody on Facebook who responded about what they recorded. And it was, it was a nice nostalgia bomb for all of us. So that is cool. Thank you so much. I remember, I, I just, that reminds me of something else. Like when I remember when we first got our VCR, I would, uh, I would record MTV. Just like I'd pop a videotape in and just hit record before I left the house and it would stop and shut down as soon as it reached the end of the tape. So you'd come home, you never know what music videos were going to be on there unless it was like an MTV m- news special or something and it got broken up. But that was, I remember being so excited that, that I could finally get to see some of these music videos that I never seen. The only time I, because we didn't have cable, we were rural, yeah. we were rural Indiana. So cable didn't go out that far. Uh, the only vi- movie, uh, music videos we got was Friday night videos. I think it was like NBC, yes. ABC, one of those. Yes. I can't remember, but one of the networks Friday night, it lasted for a half hour. Yep. I think it was like, like 10 it was like 10 songs or something like so that. So those were the only No, it was like 8. Yeah. Cuz they had the cuz the commercials. So it was the only music videos I ever got to see. And I remember it was so exciting we were I were driving home. I was forcing my parents to speed home. <laughs> because the network premiere of the Thriller video was coming on wow. and I forgot to set up the recording of it. And this is at a time where you're in the back window. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the back, real. But in the window, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember I uh, recorded the only thing I remember recording. I found it the other day. Eighties, um, Transformers, GI Joes, and I was watching it, and I didn't care for the cartoon, which I like the cartoon, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I just remember all the eighties commercials going through, and it's yeah. like, oh, I should remember that. I had one of those. Right. That was fucking stupid. Like that was. Yeah. You want- I still do that on YouTube now. Yeah, I, like you- I'll pop on one of those. Just, just all it is is an endless string of like ten minutes of commercials, and it's badass. Ten minutes, uh, you can find half yeah, hour runs. Yeah, that's a rabbit hole that's fun to climb into from a specific year for the specific show. These are all the commercials that ran for Garfield's Happy New Year or whatever. A new one that I really like is uh, intros to TV shows you've forgotten about, where oh, it's geez. literally like the thirty second, you know, forty five second introduction to some TV series from the eighties and it's, I was like, I went way down a rabbit hole because there was stuff that I had forgotten that I that I had watched. And it was just like totally taking me back to my childhood. I was just like, Oh shit. I forgot. I watched that show. What blew my mind more on some of those was the fact that I didn't recognize some of them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not at all. I'm like, 
I this I this could be fake for all I know because this in my <laughs> mind does not exist. And it was a whole like twenty minutes of previous. I think I recognized one. Yeah. And I Crazy. recognized Dear John. I remember Dear John. Yeah. Jesus. Dear John. Oh God, that show. Dear John. Yeah. I, I got, I got to watch an Airwolf the other day too. I'm so, sorry. I know. Airwolf. <laughs> Such a bad show. El Ray's been bringing back a lot of the 80s. Like, uh, they've, they've brought back Knight Rider. They've got Airwolf on there occasionally. Shoot, Stargate SG-1 was on there the other night. And uh, Now I feel yeah. old. Stargate SG-1 now is back among Airwolf <laughs> yeah. and all that. It's like, oh, my God. Well, it was, it was, well yeah, that, Airwolf and Knight Rider in the 80s, but I, oh, Stargate I started in the 90s. Yeah. So, yeah. It's over 20 years. I'm hoping it all gets made available because I hate having to buy certain series off the bootleg guy at the Comic-Con. Yes. Because those are just damned expensive. Well, anymore, they don't even do that now. They're just like, oh, well, you can go here and watch it, but it might be down by the time you get it. But, oh, you know, torrents. Bother with that stuff. You know, it, it's, it really is sad because there is a desire to see some of this stuff that is out there i mean it's in vaults somewhere sure that, that you know they feel like they're not going to make a profit off of it so they don't put it out on dvd or blu-ray but it's like you know what put it online you know we'll watch it sure you make it reasonably priced we'll pay to watch it we've already proven that as geeks and, and we uh, i bought the entire run of whiz kids yes uh last comic con i went to mm-hmm that had lasted for what a couple seasons, right? About a bunch of kids in the '80s. One of them had a super. Oh wow! Is that the phone? Is that Andy here? He got here in five minutes. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> you know he did. That's impressive. Uh, but Wiz Kids starred the Misfits uh, of Science, the boy that was in Little House on the Prairie. Oh right, right, right. That was the the son of Mr. Ingalls. Yes. So it, him and his next starring role. Right. As you mean this his last kid starring role <laughs> that had this, yeah, that had this massive room computer, personal computer all decked out that could talk to you and scan your face, yep. and give you the <laughs> ultimate in graphic technology for 1981. And it's and it's the tapes going. Like I'm not, I don't remember. No, if you remember is, uh, the TV show Three Two One Contact on oh, yeah. PBS, absolutely. All right, it was it was like the middle teenager. Um, Contact. Yeah, it's the reason. Yeah, it was. It's it was the, the show moment. you watched when Holy you got everything it. happens. Contact. Yeah. It's, I just went like down memory lane. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was uh. the show you watched when you after you were too old for Sesame Street and too old for Electric Company. Three, two, one. Contact was the next step. I watched both. I watched that and three uh, Electric Company because I think that was at a time where I was starting to just like crave knowledge like information and i remember 321 contact was would throw in bits of science and and learning and i mean same thing with the uh, electric company not as directly science related as 321 contact but, but yeah but 321 contact had a segment in called bloodhound gang yes i remember i loved the bloodhound gang a bunch of kids are solving mysteries usually having to do something with science or logic right and very short five five minutes of the show was that but that's what WizKids was. Bloodhound Gang yeah. with a supercomputer of 1980s frame. I still blame Bloodhound Gang for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, here he is. Hey there, sleepyhead. He just whips in here. So and he's recording, recording. video, so... 
Oh my god. I still blame Bloodhound Gang for my ability, my deductive reasoning, because god damn it, when I watch a movie, I can't always just passively watch a movie and just enjoy it. Especially it's a mystery show. I'm constantly looking for clues to to lead me to the conclusion of the film or the TV show. So. Oh, I know. But, You're Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was totally... Wow, that just totally changed <laughs> yeah. the volume of my headphones here. Sorry, but as it Way will. to that's go. Okay. That's, that's what you I do. Out, I know, Andy. I laid out uh, $50 or $60 for WizKids. Uh-huh. All right. So I'm willing to spend... Good money, right, for this show that I loved as a kid and watch now. I'm like, this is terrible, but I still liked it because I was young at the time, right. So, yeah, there is a market, yeah, for everything. Absolutely. Hi, Andy. Good morning. <laughs> you know, there's an alarm setting on your phone, right? Yeah, that was sitting in the room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we were like, probably okay. heard you guys calling too. Yeah, we called. We the, I called. He called. Yeah, yeah. Fucking eye, man. Just <laughs> killing me the last couple weeks of tiredness. Uh, you all, you're, like we were talking earlier on the show, you're you're a man who's repairing himself. Yeah. It are takes you still a lot on, of energy. You got to sleep. Are you still <sighs> on medications for it, too? Uh, just eye drops to keep my eye from getting too um, inflated. Okay. All right, I know a guy. Let's get rid of the, the flesh eye, and we'll put a cybernetic eye. You know a guy? You want to go yeah, full death look on me? I was thinking the six the billion dollar man, but sure, why not? Right. <laughs> Pesos. We're not going to spend a lot of money. Steve Austin. <laughs> I see. Taylor, this is all man. about NAFTA, isn't it? <laughs> Andy Taylor, a man barely alive. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have uh, six dollars. <laughs> but we don't want to spend a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any geeky things you want to share? Combat Con, baby. Tell me about Combat Con. Oh, God. Uh, we'll be back in 30 minutes. I God. still want to call it Combaticon, but Combaticon. that's because the, the Transformers in me. Ah, right. It's, um, I've been to all but one of the turns I was thinking we were, we were going over it. It's um, a bizarre convention I have no right to be at. Uh, it's uh, people that are into uh, stunt fighting and stage fighting and various stick jock stuff. A lot of uh, professional fencers, a lot of... Uh, a professional, I guess a professional is probably yeah, stojos and stuff, yeah, uh, and uh, SCA fighters and stuff, and they're all taking classes to learn how to do that better, which was going on in other rooms, but I was down in a vendor's room, which is a whole bunch of you know, people selling swords and whips and other shit, uh, I was selling the other shit, um, Go back. the whips? other shit in air yeah, whips. oh yeah, there were, there were whip demonstrations <laughs> like, like every half hour it seemed like. Uh, but there's in the middle of all what this. What kind of convention did you, did you go to? Right. <laughs> could you volunteer? Uh, he, he volunteered and he put his blind eye to the whip sure. so he didn't have to see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, they in the middle of the whole thing, they have a demonstration ring. So, you know, every hour or so, there's some different demonstration on that ring, which could be whips or could be, you know, a bunch of SCA fighters pounding each other. Um, the one that got me this year was we were straight across from um, a group called the Juggers. Juggers of the Wasteland, which is based on... It's a sport they've created based on some Rutger Hauer's movie. Um, Post-apocalyptic thing, and they basically make their own equipment. There's no, like, standard uh, tools. It's not like you have the only thing. It's not like you have your bat or your uh, your, your hockey stick. It's, so it's they, all improvised weapons. They, well, no, they create them. They build them all out of crap. Um, and they're all dressed in armor made out of old tires and shit. And beautiful, amazing armor made out of crap. Huh. And uh, they go out in the desert and try and uh, 
play the the ball in the game is a dog skull, um, a real <laughs> wow. dog skull. Um, like I say, it's a Rutger Hauer movie. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it. Um, you know the new other one. I can't remember the name of the movie. It's really funny. But just last week, I watched a thing on YouTube about uh, ten blank science fiction movies you should see. Yeah. And one of them was ten post-apocalyptic. Sure. And the Rutger Hauer one was one of them. And he is. He plays some. Basically, it's really weird because it's it's total Mad Max type post apocalyptic. Except that it's not about the post apocalypse; no. it's about the game. Yeah, he, yeah. Yes, exactly. He plays some kind of pit fighter in this game, um, and and it's about him playing this game. It's really not really about the apocalypse or 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 even like. Well, how old is this movie? Oh, it goes eighties. It's eighties. Okay. You're on it. I can see. But uh, they... Uh, wow, you can. <laughs> yeah. That's, He's on your blind side. That's a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, they are part of the the Wasteland thing, which is essentially an SCA kind of group that meets out in the desert um, near... I think they're near um, Salton Sea. But they, they basically, a bunch of them get together um, and uh, camp out in the desert and they play games and stuff. Uh, they're doing that in... I can't go with that one, but in... November 10th, I think, around there. Yeah, they're going to uh, Victorville to an abandoned military base, and they're going to set up camp in an abandoned military base, and I may go there and be a vendor and sell my weird shit. As well you should. Yeah, absolutely. They love metal creatures in jars. Who yeah. doesn't love creatures yeah. in jars? Yeah. Seriously. So that was exciting. That was fun. And yeah. it's always it's always fun to go to Combat Con, even though I'm surrounded by you know, tons and tons of manly jock people and jock women, you know, jock guys and girls. I mean, there were two of the, two of the ones I hung out with a bit were um, a couple of young ladies are very small in stature, but they want to be stunt women. And I'm like, you, you realize you're going to get every little kid role. All you have to do is get oh, good yeah. at this. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. The different tours that I've been on, it is amazing to find out how often it's uh, petite women that right. play that play the, the kid stunt doubles. So I, I'm the least TV. macho manly person in this entire convention. It's it's fun to be there. Is Even it Omega with your Doom? eye patch? Well, the eye patch helps definitely. <laughs> you didn't yeah. like do a snake plisket type vibe or something, right? Is it Omega Doom? Nope, that's not that one. Nope. Okay, um, that's, like that's be, the first post-apocalyptic one that I came across. Yeah, Rucker Hart's got like forty 50, more to go. Yeah. About fifty. He's got one hundred and sixty-eight credits on IMDb. And for so. your post-apocalyptic. Now Kay's on it too. Uh, the other thing I did was. Um, I bought the uh, CD, the Library Bard CD, at the uh, comic convention a couple months ago and just put it aside and you know, didn't get a chance to listen to it. And uh, my CD player miraculously started working a week or two ago, so I popped that puppy in, and I've been putting that in heavy rotation. The Library Bards are fun. Yeah? Yeah. Now, Library Bards are who? Uh, Kirsten's going to tell me that because he knows the woman who sings in it. He is. Um, Bonnie Gordon, who was uh, at Star Trek The Experience really briefly towards the end, um, appeared on a couple of reality shows. And uh, she... I, the Quest, I think, is the The, the Quest one. was the one she was in. And um, then, uh, Xander was in yeah. the King of the Geeks. King thing, of the Nerds. King of the Nerds. And they have gotten together and formed the Library Bards. And they're, they're basically... Their shtick is they sing about geeky things, and they've made a, a huge number of of songs that they uh, either covers and you know little uh, lyric changes like uh, now you have the bridge Spock, 
yep. which is uh, the one that uh, the music video that they recently did, which was an original series music video. I remember the um, all about that space. Yeah, and that and one was fun. They've been touring now, actually um, doing uh, cons and stuff, appearing at cons, and their their brand is growing. She recently, Bonnie, has appeared in, um, and I. Geek and Sundry, they, I think. Geek and uh, Sundry. I forget doing, the name of the thing. You know, she's like on Critical now. Role, the voice actors doing the D and D game. Mm-hmm. They're doing a Star Trek RPG game, and uh, she is one of the players in that. Okay. So, so Bonnie's uh, moving up and around, but yep. Yeah. Blood of Heroes. That's the movie. That's, That's the, the movie. movie. Yep. Yeah. I just Googled Rutger Hauer post-apocalyptic. So library Bards versus the Blood of Heroes. One came yes. Up. Was that one? Yeah. yeah. Blood of Heroes. Well, I had like 20 that came up when I did it. Yeah. So. You failed. Just well, he knew what he was looking for. That's I didn't. That's right. Yeah. I just knew I was looking for the first thing that came up on the page. <laughs> but um, uh, never so question my Google through. <laughs> but yeah, Bonnie is Bonnie's great. She's... She's a musician. She used to play in a number of bands. She was constantly gigging. She's got a good voice, but she also does character voice work. Um, yeah, somebody um, does Smeagol in, in one of the songs pretty sure. well. Yeah. Sure. I would not be the least bit surprised if that was her, although I she don't know. She did some anime voiceover stuff. I forgot which yep. character she yeah, told well, me. Well, she that. also is a voice work for uh, Street Fighter, Mortal Street, Kombat. I believe Street Fighter is one of them. I think it's Street Fighter. She's a... Uh, some kick-ass female character. Yeah. Yeah, big surprise. But, but uh, yeah, and she's got a great singing voice. She really can sing. Yeah. One of the things they've done at uh, um, at uh, Wootstock, like, before in the pre-show, they would play Shake It Off over and over again, just, like, repeatedly to say, oh, yeah, man. And, and it was just, like, a running gag, and it would be funny to have the library bards show up at that, which would be perfectly appropriate to have the library bards at Wootstock. Because they actually do, one of their songs is set to the, to the Shake It Off music. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a Hobbit song. Name Gandalf. Name Gandalf. Yeah. I, I got to yeah. listen to some library bars. Yeah, you do. Gentlemen, we got to get some news. I mean, okay. I mean, piling up for the last couple of weeks. We're not doing the pop today? Back. Nope. Today, I am I going back to the old school. We're old school, which means we have to start off right. Uh-oh. What, 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 what? No, no, come on. I thought I missed news this. News you don't give a shit God about. God damn it. How late do I have to show up to miss that? I, well, we waited Pretty for late, you. Andy. We waited for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Try next week. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Warner Brothers has announced reboot of Invasion of the Body Snatchers number five. Jesus Christ. How many times are they going to redo that? Uh, Warner's officially launched a remake and tapped veteran horror scribe David Leslie Johnson. This is the one behind Orphan and The Conjuring 2 and also did some of The Walking Dead to write the screenplay and sci-fi action mainstay John Davis. To produce, he produced uh, uh, Chronicle I Robot. Uh, based upon Jack Finney's 1954 novel, Don Siegel's original 1956 film, which was ultimately included in the National Film Registry, I might add, found members of a small California town overrun by alien plant pods that housed emotionless human replicants. Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, and Jeff Goldblum starred in director Philip Kaufman's San Francisco set 1978 reboot. My favorite one, I might say, add. It's not a bad remake. Uh, yeah, it's really I, I think good. you're missing a name in that 78 one there. Who am I missing? Leonard Nimoy was in that one, Is too. Is he? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember him being in it. Then it was offered up again as Body Snatchers in 93, starring Gabriel Anwar, Meg Tilly, and Forrest Whitaker. And it's only been 10 years 
since Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman starred in Oliver Hirschbeagle's uh, 2007 effort, The Invasion. So wow. now, number five, reboot. Can't we get enough of Invasion of the has, Body Snatchers? Has everybody seen the 56 version? Yes, I have. I don't know. I, I have. I, mean, I want to say I have, but I'm having a hard time pulling up any it's, images. I mean, it's, it's black and white, and it's very 50s, yes. obviously, but... It's and it's kind of a slow build, like you know, it mostly focuses on this one character, and as he slowly starts to figure out what's going on, and he's like a doctor or something. Mm. Uh, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, there's no Donald, there's no Donald Sutherland moment with the uh, opening his mouth and screaming and pointing. Uh, no, I don't. Maybe. I, no, I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> well, the problem is I start I, sometimes I start merging all the different sequels together, so I'm like having to pick apart. Yeah, sure. Nicole Kidman. Uh, you Donald want the images Sutherland. that are black and white, Jeff. Thanks. Mm-hmm. There you Thanks, go. It's only one of and, those. As long as there's paranoia and there's a fear of conformity and control, they're going to crank out that sequel because the basic theme is actually. I mean, even though at the time. It was about blacklisting and HUAC. Mm-hmm. It really is kind of timely if you strip away the details and just get to the core fears that the movie addresses. And by that same reason, it should be remaking Boys from Brazil right now. I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, fake news and the dog whistling, the the secondary, you know, the many layers like... Um, a political explanation that like the alt-right will go through mm. like they'll sit there and be forthright and honest with each other what they want but as soon as they get called on it publicly they'll decl- they'll they'll baldly state oh that's not what we're talking about and for them that's a totally comfortable position to be in we can sit here and this is what we believe but if somebody calls us on it we're going to deny what we believe and it can, you know, for people on an extreme end of the political spectrum, it's all obvious and it's easily called out and hated. But you got people in between who are trying to be balanced, who are trying to be fair and approach things with some equivalency, and they're easily lulled with that bullshit mm. and those lies. And they're easily, you know, will fall for the whole... Um, well, I think you're, what you're describing like, is indoctrination in general. I mean, they you'll you'll draw people in with a very, you know, condensed and you know very picked, selectively select uh, selectively picked set of things that you're trying to attract somebody into, and then once you're there, you start revealing the whole the breadth of their beliefs. But then, and then, like you said. Publicly, you only say, "Well, no, no, no. This is what we we believe." But then internally, you're, and then you're a pod person. Show yeah. us on yeah. the show us on the Andy doll words you knew touched you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, she don't give a shit about. Showrunner Noah Hawley is working on a Doctor Doom movie for 20th Century Fox. Uh, this is the first concrete announcement regarding the Fantastic Four license at the studio since the 2015 film, uh, which neither broke even financially nor broke double digits in review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, where it finished with a 9% rating. While all three Fantastic Four films have used some version of Doctor Doom, 
none have really given the character the strength of motivation and self that he's always been known and beloved for in the pages of Marvel Comics. Doom has often been the center of stories, whether he's been the antagonist of the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, or the entire Marvel Universe. The character has had one-shots in many series, and is currently featured in the Marvel Universe is the infamous Iron Man, so he can certainly stand on his own. Uh, it would also be one of the first modern superhero movies post-2008 uh, to directly star a villain. Uh, Hawley's work on Legion has been loved by fans and critics alike. So the showrunner for Legion making a Doctor Doom movie for 20th Century That's Fox. That's some news we don't give a shit about because of the Fantastic Four. I, I, I think it's because Fox has demonstrated they don't know what to do with that license. Right. I mean, uh, I think there was even uh, I think there was even a title in the late 70s that was um, all villains. It was like it was like starring Doctor Doom and I think Neymar might have been in it when he was kind of on one of those villainous rants. Oh, you mean comic? Yeah. Uh, super villain team up? That's it, yeah. yeah Doctor Doom was almost always like yeah. the, it was like a uh, superhero Marvel team up was a Spider-Man book. Marvel team up, Marvel two and one, and then super villain team up. Yeah, two okay. and one was usually the thing, right? Uh, but then they would team up with someone else, and super villain was usually Doctor Doom, and yeah, quite often Namor, quite often Submariner. Yeah, yeah. I never Doom just was never a villain that I have ever found appealing. I really? just I never hmm. I, I never found him that interesting in the comics. He's one of my I think one of the most interesting villains that Marvel has turned out in the comics at least. I just I was never that fascinated with him and his backstory in the comics. I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Hmm. Oh, I, I love his Yeah. Is. Well, I'm like I said, you're entitled to your opinion. I just I'm stating he's, he's that he was not <laughs> He was here. not a character that I he gave is a shit sexy about. Sexy and he knows it. So, yeah. <laughs> For me, this news is perfectly placed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just that I don't have any trust for 20th Century Fox to no. No. do that. I mean, they figured some things out with X-Men, finally. Mm -hmm. they're, 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 they're sort of fixing that, even though... There was I'm, a hiccup. Yeah, there's, uh, there's been a few hiccups. It depends on who they put on the project. Of course. it does seem like, even if there's a decent script, if it's not a director that has a passion for the history of the property sure. that they're working on. And hey, you know what? I'm it's, it's, oh, well, here, let me, this is my interpretation of it. It's like, okay. Uh, Josh Trank, I loved his work on Chronicle. I thought it right. was a fantastic film. Yeah. So when he was announced for Fantastic Four, I was like, oh, this is in good hands. Oops. Uh, not necessarily. But again, what you said, they made their own interpretation of what these this should be versus what it's been in the comics. Right. And, you know, Brian Singer, when he was on board with the... Well, actually, I should say on the various films that Brian Singer was directly involved in in the X-Men, those films were fairly accurate compared to the, the source material. Then you bring on Brent Ratner. Oh, God. <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not mention the Ratner. But then he comes back and helps restore the, you know, restore the property even though he didn't direct, uh, uh, was it Days of, not Days of Future Past. Uh, first Class? Resur first Class, thank you. He didn't direct First Class, but he did produce, and I believe he co-wrote, if I remember correctly. So sure. when he came back on, and then uh, the guy that wrote uh, Logan did an excellent job. And the director was totally on board with the, with the you know, not just the script, mm. but the source material that it was inspired by. So it's, yeah, it's Fox. It's very, you're right. It's very hit or miss. It depends on 
who is involved in the project. In just drop opinion. like a stack of Fantastic Four and be like, there you go. Make that. Right. It's been how many years since the last Fantastic Four movie? Two. Two. So it's going to be how long before they lose the option. So to me, it seems like they're, they're developing a Doctor Doom movie to keep the license. Yes. And if that is indeed what they're doing, it's not going to be good. Uh, they're cormaning it. Yes. Hmm. I think Corman's version would have been superior to that last Fantastic Four film that I saw. By the way, the documentary about the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie is available now on uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, really? Um, I've spent a little more time lately on Amazon Prime versus Netflix and have been having a really good time there. Hmm. I just wish Amazon Prime Video's interface, at least on the the consoles, was a little better. It's a very... I have it on my phone, and it's actually decent. It's, it's searchable, etc. You can kind of you know go in by category, very similar to like what the Netflix interface is. But yeah, on the the PlayStation or the Xbox, it's terrible. Yeah, so is anybody man. here? Somebody here must have actually seen the Corman movie. I don't I, think anybody saw it. Right? Amazing. Uh-huh. Never released. Well, no, but it's out there. It's out there. Um, is it? You can yeah. Buy, oh, yeah. You can buy it on bootleg for forty bucks. Yes. Yeah. Really. <laughs> I've seen it cons before. I was just, I was just wondering if they if Corbin actually kept the core concept you're talking about uh, what Kay's described about it being uh, it's it's what do you say it's it's not uh, it's not a group that comes together as a family because of get powers. It's a group that yeah, overcomes all, their transformation right, because they're because a they're family. family. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, right. Yeah, the powers don't bring them together. They overcome the trauma. Because they're a family, right? Which is really how you got to approach the Fantastic right. Four. Well, if even you, if you go with the the worn out trope of, you know, the powers are what what uh, makes makes the team happen. Mm-hmm. You fail with Fantastic Four. Right. They yeah. were a family beforehand. Yeah, Stan Lee's even said as much. He's like, you know, they're a family. They're, you know, they get along well because they're a family already. And they fight because they're yeah. a family. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, doom. Hmm. doom. Watch this space. Doom. Doom. Uh, news you don't give a shit about. MTV's Teen Wolf. <coughs> yeah, you can just oh, stop right there. Yeah, you can just stop. <laughs> yep, you're right. Hear about it. <laughs> Teen Wolf still has a few episodes left, oh, but fuck. it looks like there are already plans to reboot the series. <laughs> oh, please, please tell me it's going to be called Teen Wolf Two, spelled T O O. Oh, MTV is in early talks with Teen Wolf creator and showrunner Jeff Davis to reboot the series in the near future by turning it into a potential anthology series with a whole new cast. Although there could be some returning characters and a new location. It's like, okay, he was a black wolf before, like a black werewolf. Now, wait for it, he's going to be brown. <laughs> like fucking has has anybody what? seen the the TV series? No. I have not watched it. Is it, is it available? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. I think it's even on Netflix. You can find it at cons, <laughs> some vendors' table. I, I yeah. was just curious because I have, I have spoken to a few people that are like in their late teens, early twenties that really enjoy this show. So, well, it's it's. A, I don't want to poo poo it. It's with, a, it's a werewolf, uh, teenage. Yeah, teledrama. It's like, it's like I it's don't want to poo poo it because I haven't seen it. They should just keep it. I just don't, I just personally don't give a shit about it. You know, mm-hmm. and then they start the undergraduate werewolf <laughs> series. The, the and De- then, Degrassi with werewolves. Yeah, you know, Teen and then, Wolf goes to college, and then postgraduate, he's going for his MFA. 
you know, just yeah. just take it all the way up there. Teen Wolf, the college years. There you go, Teen. Yeah, Intern Wolf. Sure. When he when he goes to that big corporation and works for nothing. Moves, teen moves teen Wolf, up. graduate teaching assistant. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all the way to Teen Wolf applies for Medicare. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> teen Wolf student debt. Gets old, loses an eye. Falls asleep a lot. Oh wow! I'm sensing an issue, Andy. <laughs> you think you're a werewolf? <laughs> Boom! You're a werewolf. Yeah. Damn it! I was going there. Uh, you stole the bit. Too Damn slow. It. You don't go. Wait a minute. Wait, no, too. S- yeah. Okay. <laughs> Davis and MTV also plan to continue the current storyline in podcast form after the series wraps later this year. What? <laughs> yeah, this is this is all this is new here. This is some new ground. Here's what the MTV president Chris McCarthy said. These characters and their stories have hit a peak. We're talking with Jeff about how do we actually keep that franchise alive. And the beauty of the evolution of media is you can see the series going through on a series of podcasts and then see a resurrection of a new class in a couple of years, unquote. With McCarthy adding about the podcast, which should kick off soon after the finale and the plans for a possible reboot, quote, how do we keep this franchise alive in podcasts? in the spirit of serial, and then how do we actually reboot an entire new class? Because the heart of MTV is around these timeless issues of young people and coming of age, but the timely piece that will be the whole new cast set in new issues and stories to explore through them. With Teen Wolf, we have such a beautiful gem. Brace yourself, people. The suits have found podcasts. <laughs> and when you have a creator like Jeff, yeah. <laughs> that is such a... And yeah, I'm, Jeff is such an amazing hey, partner. Oh. I just want to apologize in advance for uh, no. <laughs> and the fan base that is hungry for more Jeff. More, for, I'm sorry for more. <laughs> well, it's well, hungry for more. Well, Jeff. Well, well, I was gonna say the the fan base is hungry for more me. I I, I can tell you that from experience. Never get enough. We're crazy not to unquote. Yes, you are. So when can we expect the reboot? Quote: We want to give it enough time to let the series finale marinate a year or so, and then when we find the right story and the right cast, we resurrect it, unquote. Wow, that's famous last words. That's like when Enterprise went off the air. They're like, eh, we're going to give Star Trek a little bit of a breather, and then we'll bring it back. Hmm. So Five years later, we I mean, just, all we they, get is a movie. I mean, they did some of that with uh, Firefly. I mean, there's a whole bunch of the Firefly storyline has continued in comics. Sure. Yeah. So is Angel. That's right, cool. right. Uh, and so has Buffy, yeah. Uh, Actually, wasn't it Buffy that kicked off that whole the yeah, next it was season Buffy thing? season Probably, yeah. eight or whatever it was? I, I want to add a side note that okay. uh, creator Jeff apologizing for the creation. That, that's a line right out of the 80s Jeff PR firm. <laughs> <laughs> I want to apologize in advance, but you're going to get some crap right here. <laughs> there's, your, there's your PR firm line. Oh, oh man. Pickle Rick! <laughs> <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. A new report has surfaced claiming that 20th Century Fox is looking to reboot the Alien franchise. <laughs> Aren't they? Or- <laughs> <laughs> they haven't even finished it. <laughs> According to freaking... Oh, I'm sorry. Ridley Scott. Yes. I just, uh. That would be set... <laughs> 
in a new timeline and focus on a set of new characters. According to Steve Weintraub of Collider, who has an inside source, quote, I think the original plan was after Covenant, assuming that it was going to be a box office hit and that they were going to make one more movie that connected to the original Alien. Then after that, they were going to jump, I heard, into the future, past all the movies we've known, into sort of like, quote, a new timeline, so you could start again with new characters, new predicaments, and whatever may be, start these movies at maybe a lower budget and basically continue doing Alien movies, but not worry about David, Michael Fassbender, and all the other stuff, unquote. Alien Covenant didn't do as well as the studio had hoped. Uh, because of that, it's been reported that Fox will, quote, have to reassess the two intended sequels Scott has pitched, unquote. Uh, there's no information on that the studio will pursue another film in the near future, but according to Weintraub, if they do, it may be handled with a significantly lower budget. Just let it die. Yeah? You done That's, with Alien? I... I had no intention of seeing Covenant and every review I've read since, even the spoilery ones, I'm just like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't go see that. Mm. I was going to see it, but uh, yeah, everybody kind of chased me off from it. I mean, maybe I'll eventually watch it when it hits like HBO or something, but yeah, I'm just sitting there going, no, this doesn't even sound interesting. In fact, many of the reviews said that, that all of the characters you, you, you just don't care about. You know, they're disposable characters. You, they, they're essentially placeholders that are there for the alien to, you know, tear apart, mm. period. You know, I, I think I'm in the mood for one more news you don't give a shit about. I think I want <laughs> one more. I think I want one more. More? Because I can't get enough reboot this is your news fault. in my life. I'm pointing at you, Andy. This I is see, your fault. I, I understand. Just make sure you point. Yeah, okay. Well, you, for the left for hand. The, so, the, yeah. Okay, for, gotcha. No. Okay. News you don't give a shit about. <sighs> The 1988 film *License to Drive*. <laughs> I love that movie. With Corey Haim and Corey Feldman is the latest film from the 80s that will be going through the remake machine. According to Deadline, the new film will have female leads, and they described as being a female version of *Superbad*. Uh, if you haven't seen the original movie, uh, the story follows a teen boy who decides to sneak out one night with his grandfather's prized 1972 Cadillac Sedan DeVille for a night out on the town with his friends, despite flunking his driver's test. Uh, oh, the, please let him bring Heather Graham back as the mom. That the would be awesome. The film is set up at 20th Century Fox and is being produced by the producer of the original film, John Davis, uh, who hired Scott Mills, who wrote Girl Problems, to develop it. So, license to drive. I don't know how I feel about it. I I really really like that film. I do too, and I don't and I don't necessarily think it's so revered that it can't get a remake. Yeah, I mean, I I I hold no ill will as of right now for a remake on that one. I I think it could be, and they could do it as a soft reboot slash sequel. You know, you bring in some of the original characters. Obviously, you can't bring Corey Haim back in. You can try. You You could bring Corey Feldman in. Um, Heather Graham. Who didn't have a crush on Heather Graham? After oh, that my movie? God. Yeah. That movie, like, I already had a crush on her, but that movie sealed it. And then when Boogie Nights came along. That sealed it. it that concreted it. <laughs> Gross. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this DVD sealed so with stickiness? <coughs> okay, as we get license arrived, let's do some Weekend Geek. Yay! Weekend Geek. 
Robert Kirkman, the creator of the hit zombie drama The Walking Dead, has signed with Amazon Studios in a new two-year deal to develop TV projects exclusively for Amazon Prime Video. This ends his long-running relationship with cable network AMC. Amazon Prime will have first-look deal as part of the contract, which means they get to develop any not-yet-written scripts on new and existing properties. This deal does not include shows that are already in production or development. This includes The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, A Talking Dead, Heroes and Villains, The History of Comics, and Thief of Thieves for AMC, Clone for Sci-Fi, and Outcast for Cinemax. This deal also does not include does not interfere with the Skybound Film Ventures, that's his company, uh, including their first look deal with Universal Pictures, uh, where Air, which starred Norman Reedus and Jamon Hansu, was made, and also where Kirkman is producing an adaptation of his long-running superhero comic book, Invincible. Uh, Skybound comic titles like Manifest Destiny, Demonic, Ghosted, Redneck, and Birthright, which could be on the fast track to a new medium as well as anything new that hits comic shops bearing the Skybound logo. Real quick, since you mentioned Talking Dead, uh, Chris Hardwick has a new show on AMC just called Talking with Chris Hardwick, and it's it's an hour-long format talk show where he usually has one or two guests on, talks about this, that, and the other thing. It, uh, okay. Uh, he had, uh, oh shoot, I just totally forgot her name. Uh, she played Lady Sif in um, uh, in Thor. In Thor, thank you. And uh, she's on uh, a TV series on NBC now. But uh, it was a really interesting show. I, so, so it's a Hardwick uh, version of an interview show. Yeah. Late night, late yeah. night talk show. Yeah, and he takes he takes questions from the audience for the you know whoever's on the show. Um, he also takes uh, video questions submitted online as well as like Twitter uh, tweeted questions on, off of Twitter. I think uh, I saw the one with Brian Cranston. I, that's, I haven't seen that one yet. That's good. But uh, And then also I saw the 600th episode of uh, At Midnight, and it was really cool. Oh, yeah. It was, nice. like, it was a, a two-hour finale, and it was very awesome. It was very well done. I really liked it. And it's so over they, now. Yeah, it's yeah. done. It's, mm-hmm. There's no more. No. That was the series finale. Universal's Cowboy Ninja Viking has secured a June 28th, 2019 premiere slot. Images graphic novel source material was created by writer A.J. Lieberman and artist Riley Rosomo, Rosmo, Rosmo, and focuses on Duncan, a notorious government assassin suffering from multiple personality disorder who is blessed with the skills of a cowboy, a ninja, and you guessed it, a Viking. Disney had originally snagged the property for Zombieland writers Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, but the last draft that has been gathering dust, and Universal saw it as the perfect vehicle for Chris Pratt. Cowboy Ninja Viking's origin story revolves around a secret Men in Black-like agency that develops intricate operatives called triplets, named for their three distinct personality manifestations. Pratt and Universal just finished production on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, opening June 22nd, 2018. And this gives the studio a major action tentpole to place besides its Transformers 7 feature that month. Uh, Director Mark Forrester, the one behind World War Z, has been attached to the project since 2014. Uh, What do you think of that that, uh, cowboy ninja Viking? Did you say the character's name was what again? Duncan. That's why I I thought. So that's why your son's always busy? Yes, exactly. He's busy being a cowboy ninja. Okay. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, I caught in there. Sure. Transformer Seven, really? Oh my! Like that's going to end. God, there's if, more if, than meets the eye. I fucking China. That's the problem. <laughs> God damn it! For as long as those movies make money, they will forever be with us. Yep. I, hope, uh, I don't know. Sounds interesting. I we'll hope see. you like the the sound of clashing metal, and not like the good kind, not Iron Maiden metal. I'm talking to you. Okay. Yeah. In the company's first ever acquisition, Netflix has purchased Mark Miller's Miller World, Miller's comic book company, publishing creator-owned work with artists like Frank Quietly, uh, Craig uh, Capullo, John Romita Jr. for over a decade, has already seen success bringing projects to film and has already had several options and in-development works. Netflix plans to advance multiple Miller World products into adaptation and will also move into publishing, serving as Miller's publisher for future stories. Miller World's already successful movie business likely had a hand in the acquisition uh, through partnerships with Universal, Lionsgate, 20th Century Fox, uh, films based on Wanted, Kick-Ass, uh, The Kingsman, will surpass the $1 billion global box office this year oh, with the release okay. of Kingsman, The Golden Circle. So the Kingsman was part of that. That's good. good. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I never saw the book. I never, I never saw read the, the book. So. Yeah, I never saw the, the comics Kingsman based yeah. on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Miller's comic book writing for Marvel Comics has also heavily influenced the look, feel, and storylines of films, including Avengers, Captain America Civil War, and Logan. The comic book company Miller World has traditionally published under multiple branches. Launched in 2004 by Mark Miller and Lucy Miller, they've published comics under Dark Horse Comics, Avatar Press, Marvel's Icon Creator-Owned Line, uh, and Image Comics, while always maintaining ownership and creator control. Quote, over the years, Miller World has amassed 20 different franchises working on the world's greatest artists, and now Miller World has been bought by the hottest, most exciting entertainment company on the planet. To say this is the best thing that ever Ooh. happened to our professional lives <laughs> would be an understatement, unquote, Miller said in his statement. He also cleared up one point of the deal, saying that Kingsman and Kick-Ass would keep their, quote, unique Hollywood deals elsewhere and aren't part of this particular acquisition, unquote which seems to imply that Netflix may have purchased the rights to all the other in-development projects. Uh, several at Fox, a couple at Sony and Universal, from each option holder. Hmm. Jupiter's Legacy. Jupiter's Legacy, that. Chrononauts. Yeah. That was a hell of a read. About two, two time travelers who have no business having the ability to try and travel and completely make a mess of it. Fun. Oh, it's so much fun. And it just gets amazing. So, and, and Jupiter's Legacy... Uh, fantastic! Uh, is it is it fair to call it deconstruction of uh, superheroes? I think so. I yeah. mean, there's plenty of that going on. I'm yeah. actually kind of tired of it, but this is this was a neat one because it was a deconstruction of superheroes and their heirs and uh, uh, their whole the the generational conflict. I just like that. I'm excited by this Miller World thing just because I think Mark Miller writes really interesting comics. Yep. And his line has released interesting comics. If it has Mark Miller on it, I'm kind of interested without even knowing what's in the book. Well, Netflix is going to have to keep making their own individual productions because with all these studios yanking their stuff off of the catalog. Sure. And, and we don't yet have a solid answer as to whether or not Marvel's continuing with Netflix. They're saying right. for currently, that's the plan. 
Well, and Disney's even kind of backstepped and said we might still continue to release stuff on Netflix. So since when, since we read that story last week, so, so when I was gone, uh, when I wasn't here yet, did you, did you talk about you're watching Luke Cage this week, right? What you talked about watching Luke Cage? How was it? Yeah, I, I talked all about it. It was uh, not as good as I expected it to yeah, be, well. but I enjoyed the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I also enjoyed uh, Iron Fist. Good, you got, the, you got through them before the, uh, they start tomorrow. Yeah, everything starts no, tomorrow. Wait, 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 wait. We already watched. talked about this. We already talked about this. You didn't watch it. Yeah, we, we talked I about mean, this before Andy got here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we didn't, we, that air has been Luke cleared. Cage. He's all caught up and everything's good. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Molasses brain mat, folks. <laughs> I was trying to go with Andy there, but whatever. You know, that's what I get for joining forces with this fucker. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, uh, Disney already basically said that they still have the you know the partnership with the, the Marvel original series that are on Netflix and what branches out of that, and they plan to continue doing that. So they might, yeah, like you said, still continue to put like some of the Marvel films and, and limited selections of stuff on Netflix, but they and, also want to do their own streaming service. So, and one, interestingly enough, one of the previews before the dark tower was the defenders. I uh, thought that was an interesting choice Yeah, uh, and made me excited to watch it. So I'm very uh, inspired to mm-hmm. fill in those gaps. I, you know, I'm wondering if you even have to, I'm wondering if maybe oh, I be... insist I'm, I'm a completist. Okay. Yeah, there's no way to watch. Defenders. He's never gonna watch it. Yeah. yeah. Here, here, here's the thing. I, I've, I will probably end up having surgery for this. Yeah. Hernia. I got it right this time for the hernia. Living with a hernia. Probably in September. So my guess is that's when a lot of that binge watching will happen. I see. So you're saying I should go on vacation when you have surgery? Then I'm saying yes. <laughs> I'm saying yes. You should. Uh, you know what? We, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Here's the actual news bit of it. The Dark Tower TV series has found a showrunner in the former The Walking Dead, Glenn Mazzara. He's a good showrunner. Uh-huh. Uh, the script will be co-written by Nicolaj Arcel, the director of the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, Anders Thomas Jensen with Mazzara overseeing the production. Akiva Goldsman, who has been tapped to write the script where the series was set up at Universal, will executive produce the TV series with Ron Howard and Brian Grazer ex- executive producing. And although the movie and the TV series are considered independent from each other, there will be some overlap. Uh, stars Idris Elba, who played Roland Deshane, the gunslinger, uh, Dennis Haysbert, uh, Roland's dad, Stephen, and Tom Taylor, uh, j- played Jake Chambers, are slated to appear in the series. Uh, which is meant to be an origin story. Here's what Mazara said. I've been a Stephen King fan for decades, and the opportunity to adapt The Dark Tower as a TV series is a great honor. The events of The Gunslinger, Wizard in Glass, and Wind Through the Keyhole and other tales need a long format to capture the complexity of Roland's coming of age, how he became The Gunslinger, how Walter became the Man in Black, and how their rivalry cost Roland everything and everyone he ever loved. I could not have been more excited to tell this story. It feels like being given the key to a treasure chest, and oh yeah, we'll have Billy Bumblers, unquote. That makes me tickle inside. Billy Bumblers are great. Is that a character, or is that a bunch of things? It's a creature. Ah, okay. It's adorable. Currently in the early stages of development, a.k.a. no additional casting news yet, the TV series will be based on Wizard and Glass, which is the fourth title in the book. It's the one that goes back in kind of the prequel to the series. Uh, being early days, no network, of course, currently attached. And since the powers that 
B are considering a short episode order between 10 and 13 episodes. They want to shop it around to cable outlets like HBO or Stars or streaming services like no, Netflix, no, just, Hulu, Hulu, and Amazon. Just do your own streaming service. Come on, that's all the all the there you go. All the cool kids doing <laughs> it. Dark Tower <laughs> Network with an eye to start production in 2018, and of course the uh, critical failure of the film may derail things. Mm. So, but as uh, checking on it today, they're still planning and moving it forward. That's. That, that's uh, this uh, the movie. What's the international numbers like for that? For the for you that know, movie? I didn't look into it. I don't know. I I'm not going to imagine they're that great. I don't see a lot to really appeal to international audience. It's it's too the way they've done it. It's too complex for people who speak English. Is it okay? Yeah, because that's what I was seeing. Is it was yeah. We already the... had the discussion about the Dark Tower, okay. Andy. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Actually, I, I do have to ask you this question because we said we're going to revisit it at the end of the show. Uh, are you ever going to read the, t- the Dark Tower books? No, probably not. Okay, because no. we're going to talk about it at the end with spoilers. That's fine. So we'll yeah. revisit it. He wasn't here for that. He shouldn't get warning. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this. Fox recently partners with, partnered with the creator-driven comic book publisher, Boom!, and now they're putting the pieces together to start their first feature. Malignant is based on a 2012 graphic novel called Malignant Man, co-created by famed writer-director James Wan, uh, the guy behind Saw and The Conjuring, who is producing on this one. Uh, the story follows a terminally ill patient who discovers that his malignant tumor is actually a parasitic alien. Here's the official synopsis. What? What? I, Oh, you, you're trying to All touch right, my hernia. You're trying to touch my hernia. hernia. Just oh. so you know, Todd, yeah. uh, the domestic box office for Dark Tower was $35 million, yes. And the international box office, 19.3. Yeah. Yikes. And the whole thing cost $66 million So there's before still... Before you go into advertising. There's still $12 million behind that they yeah. need to make up. Wow. They will probably break even with the home rental. Uh, here's the official synopsis of Malignant. Alan Gates, a cancer patient with a terminal diagnosis, is resigned to his fate until he discovers that his tumor is actually a mysterious parasite. Granted a second lease on life and incredible otherworldly powers, Alan must fight against e- an evil army buried beneath society's skin, all the while unlocking the secrets of his forgotten past. Unquote. Rebecca Thomas has just signed on to direct. She has directed episodes of Stranger Things and is currently helming the upcoming live-action The Little Mermaid reboot. The script is being written by uh, Olskowitz, uh, who I don't know who that is, who, oh, who previously co-produced Lights Out. Blast, blast, blast. Yes, that's the one. Okay. So oh, free Mars. Free <laughs> Mars. Is this little tumor saying that, right? Yeah. In the, okay. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Neil Gaiman's first novel, Good Omens, which he Mm. co-wrote with Terry Pratchett, is coming to Amazon. We talked about that uh, a while back in the form of six one-hour episodes. I think it was greenlit by everybody when we brought that Mm -hmm. up. Michael Sheen from Tron Legacy, The Underworld, and The Twilight Franchises, and David Tennant have signed on for the lead roles. Uh, Sheen will play uh, Zirafali and Tennant playing Crowley. The screen version of the apocalyptic tale is going to be set in 2018 with the world, according to Variety, on the brink of an apocalypse as humanity prepares for a final judgment. But Aziraphale and a somewhat fussy angel and Crowley, a demon, aren't enthusiastic about the end of the world 
and can't seem to find the Antichrist, unquote. Uh, Good Omens will be a co-production between Amazon Studios and the BBC, and Gaiman is among the producers on the BBC side. Wonderful. Stellar casting. Yeah, yes. yeah I like that. And Even though I don't know the property, still cool. I like the casting. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Anything Martin Sheen or uh, Sheen is good. Michael I almost, Sheen. I almost had Martin yeah. Sheen. Martin Sheen. <laughs> Michael I, I, would, Sheen. I would go behind this Martin Sheen thing. I'd be, uh, yeah. How about uh, Charlie Sheen? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Why not? <laughs> Winning. The Sheens are, you know. The she- they're Sheening. Yeah. <laughs> Sheeny. I, I read the book. It didn't speak to me. I found it kind of disjointed, but I do <laughs> think that it would translate well to a series very well. I read the book and loved it, but it was it was not only the first game and novel I read. I think was, it was his first novel. It was his first novel, but it was also the first... Um, um, crap. I'm going to have to say it. His co-writer on that Terry thing. Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. It was the first Terry Pratchett I read. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Two in one stone. Yeah. So I'm, even though the book, I didn't get so much behind it, I'm really looking forward to the TV series adaptation. Cool. And Amazon Prime. And speaking of Amazon Prime, Yes. Uh, in my searches for it, on there, in the documentaries, I found a documentary called The Video Game Years. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Video Game Years, uh, even if you don't have Amazon Prime, unless Prime bought it out from YouTube, it was for free on YouTube. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's done in the style of the uh, the throwback 80s VH1 documentaries. I love the 80s mm-hmm. shows. But it is the history of video games year by year. 10-hour documentary starting with 1981, I believe. Or maybe in 1980. And one full hour with... But they used YouTube personalities versus, you know, the like VH1 did with, you know, comedy semi-celebrities. So this one was YouTube celebrities. And the ones they picked, for the most part, know their stuff. Some try comedy and doesn't work so well. But the knowledge in that documentary series is great. So if you have Amazon Prime, or if you don't, pay, perhaps it's still on YouTube. Uh, the Video Game Years. Go find it. I highly recommend it. Nice. I think uh, we have time for one more before we start talking about uh, the Dark Tower stuff. Annihilation. The new movie from writer-director Alex Garland has been given a release date of February 23rd, 2018. Garland's follow-up to his acclaimed 2015 film Ex Machina will arrive early next year from Paramount Pictures. Annihilation is based on the first book of Jeff Vandermeer's Southern Reach trilogy and follows a team of scientists, all women, who venture into a mysterious zone known as Area X that seems to be infested and mutated by some kind of malevolent intelligence. Eleven previous expeditions into that region have come back dead, damaged, or didn't come back at all. The film stars Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, and Oscar Isaac, the later whom worked on with Garland on Ex Machina. Hmm. Cool. Annihilation. Um, did you guys see Ex Machina? No. Still haven't Not watched yet. it. Um, I've seen it. If, I started watching yeah. it, and then I got I had to go do something else, and I never went back to it. I, so. I never know what what's still available on Netflix, but it was on there once upon She's a time. She's a droid, right? Uh, it yes, she was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, if you can find it, uh, Ex Machina is Amazon amazing Prime sci-fi movie. Amazon Prime has it. I've seen it there. Okay, so yeah, if you haven't seen Ex Machina, great sci-fi. I'm pretty sure it's still on Netflix. I'm pretty sure I came across it. Because I had had it in my my list, and it was still in there. Okay. 
So, yeah. And as good as that was, I'm very excited to see Annihilation. I barely even know what this is about with the Area X thing, but with that director behind it. Yeah, it sounds like a I'm fun already, concept. I'm already, there's, I'm already there's, a fan. There's room to go. There's room to go places on that. That's got some, yeah. Costing's good, too. So, You know, this, this next story is just so nice. Uh, I just want to throw it right. in there. San Diego. California city leaders of San Diego have dedicated a street in honor of Mark Hamill. Really? A street is now named after him in Claremont. Mark Hamill tweeted out photos of the large event and the unveiling of Mark Hamill Drive. Uh, Hamill visited his old neighborhood for the street dedication ceremony. Uh, Hamill attended Hale Junior High in Claremont in the early 1960s, lived with his family in the 5900 block of Castleton Drive at the time. Hamill said he went to nine schools in 12 years, but he spent the longest amount of time in San Diego. Mm. At the ceremony, he said, Part of me is honored because the community reached out to make me part of something I wanted for so long, a sense of place. Hamill told the crowd, I don't really have a hometown, but if I could pick a hometown, it would certainly be San Diego, unquote. Hamill said when he first heard this, heard a street was being named after him, he thought he was being pranked. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. We have a weird naming thing in Vegas. I mean, I'm pretty sure Tony Bennett's never been to Tony Bennett Road, which was put up like five years ago. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he has. Because they never made a big deal out of no. it. And it's not in a great neighborhood. And I can tell you for sure, Sammy Davis Jr. did not go no, to Sammy Davis Jr.'s run. No. no. Or, yeah, Frank Sinatra Drive. But or like, Dean Martin Drive. Right. There's a park out here named after Don Wells. And I wrote about it. And uh, eventually I ended up talking to Don Wells on the phone because she wanted to go to the dedication. It's like, oh, it was named like two years ago and there wasn't one. But uh, Wow. <clears throat> yeah, they just throw names up. Yeah. We got they the really Star- do. They got the Star Wars neighborhood. Yep. Know, yeah. There's, there's what? Anakin Drive, Vader Drive, Scholar, yeah. Skywalker. Kenobi Avenue. spelled wrong. Kenobi spelled wrong. Yeah. Kenobi spelled wrong. Kenobi spelled wrong? Yeah. Kenobi spelled wrong. Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> what the? <laughs> so thus ends the cast proper. Well, did you? Did you? Uh, but, but, you but, weren't. You weren't here to know. I know. Did you? Yeah. No, I sent. I sent you the uh, the thing about the, uh, the protest in in Maine. Uh, Mount Man in uh, Boston. Did you get that? Where did you send it to me? Uh, on Facebook. Before I passed you sent out. It to me on Facebook. Yeah. 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 I didn't see. Um. So they're having another Nazi rally in. Uh, but this one's going to be in Boston. Oh yay! And there, people are you know my local Boston friends are complaining about it, and I'm like, oh, you know, you know, not letting Nazi, you know, not letting people talk. That's what the Nazis do. But um, they don't have a permit for it. Somebody pointed out. Ah. But the same person pointed out there is a permit for another event at the same time, which is a cosplay event. So it's going to be a bunch of cosplayers showing up at the same time as Nazi rally. <laughs> That kind of that kind of gives me a chill. Well, that's well, that's like the the collision. Didn't I don't I don't think it was an onion. I think it's a real thing. The 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 Juggalo Million Juggalo March mm-hmm. is apparently going to collide with uh, some kind of white nationalist oh, event or something in uh, in D.C. I thought I saw that. Horrible things could happen, but the pictures will be amazing. Yes, they yeah. will. Yeah, and. Uh, Please tell me a cosplayer dressed like Captain America. Well, that, yeah. yeah. You just right. goes up and, oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, another friend in Boston said, you know, if you're going to protest, and what you should do is everyone should show up with fedoras and whips with signs that say Nazis. I hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yuck. Just plain yuck. 
<laughs> I still loved our our Comic Con protest against the was it the Westboro yeah. Church. That's that's some smart signage right there. <laughs> there was such creativity in the signage that and and, and we outnumbered had to be 100 to 1 because there were only about three people holding up signs from Westboro after it was billed as going to be this huge protest and so we all show up there there was a bunch of people on the corner there of uh, right across from the convention center in gas lamp and I, there had to be at least 200 people there if not more and eventually ran off the three people four people whatever it was with their signs so. Not, not because those... we were being belligerent no. to them, but because because they realized that their shouts were not getting over how loud we were, and they just ended up walking off. Did, did we, they deluged with silly? I don't know what they were, because we were, we were all on the, that corner that's directly across from the convention center that goes into Gas Lamp. Sure, yeah. And they were slightly further down the sidewalk towards, I'd say, uh, the harbor... Uh, area mm-hmm. of the convention center and they were holding up their signs i mean couldn't be more than five people tops i think it was about three but they're holding up their signs and i couldn't even hear what they were shouting i could see that they were trying to shout something but the the shouts about love and tolerance and togetherness about geeks being geeks and some of the really creative shouts like uh uh god what was it uh it's like thor is thor is thor is my god or um just like really creative stuff uh, <laughs> Je- uh jesus uh rolls 20 and you know mm. has natural healing ability just like stuff on the signs it was All just right. amazing it was uh M- much better than these descriptive signs right here yes <laughs> i'm not doing it justice god i have hate flags video somewhere <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving forward we're going to discuss Dark Tower. Uh, we're going to do this with spoilers. This is going to include spoilers of the movie, but more importantly, spoilers for the book. So uh, join us if you have seen the movie and you haven't read the books and don't care if they're spoiled for you or if you have done both at this point. Uh, so especially you, Jeff Harris, you should not be listening past this point because I know you're reading the books right now. <laughs> I'm not going to live long enough to read those damn books. Spoil away. <laughs> I liked the dark tower movie really yes. you're the one i'm the one wow but only because during the whole thing i was able to look at it through the prism of the books and here's the part where i spoil the books so that was your last warning okay the books end with roland reaching the tower alone okay um People have died off. People have left him. He is the last member to go in. He's defeated the Crimson King. He opens the door. It closes behind him. The book ends, at least according to Stephen King, who has notes after that, says that's the actual ending of the book. Some, he says some of you will not be satisfied with that and want to know what happens, wants to know what's in the tower, just like Roland. You have become obsessed, and you're not going to like what happens, but if you need that... Here it is. And then there's the second ending of the book. It's the second ending that informs the movie. Hmm. Because inside the tower, every floor of the tower has a key moment of Roland's life replayed there. Or at least an artifact of that moment to remind him of that moment. And every time he goes up, he's going up chronologically through his own life until the final decisions he made going to the tower. The final 
door of the tower at the top. He goes through that door. It opens to a desert. He walks through. His memory starts to fade of where he was, and all he knows is that in front of him somewhere is a man in black, and he has to find that man in black because he has the information he needs how to get to the tower. His life so far has been a loop of this one event. He gets to the tower, he gets to the top, and he starts over again. But when he leaves the top of the tower, he has the Horn of Eld, which was something that one of his friends had, uh, Cuthbert had, in a battle that helped define his life. Mm -hmm. He did not have this horn through the entire book series. This is something new. So every time he goes through this cycle of the tower, something changes. It's not known whether he has to, like, Groundhog Day, get it right, mm -hmm. or if it's just a, a lifelong destiny that keeps the tower perpetuated. So knowing that the tower changes something every time he goes back through it, and he has a different experience each time, but he makes it to the tower, goes to the top, and starts all over again in this curse that is his life. All the changes that take place for this movie, the fact that he's African-American, the fact that it's actually a Jake Chambers story, all the things that are different with him, everything is different, tells me that this is not just a sequel to the Dark Tower series. This is a sequel that takes far place in the way future after he has had so many cycles through the tower that that is how many changes that has happened since the first tower. Hmm. That now it's, and the movie lets on that Walter realizes that Roland has been doing this journey over and over, and Walter is cursed with it. And that's the reason why Walter wants the tower destroyed, because he is tired of reliving this over and over ah. again. Is Walter the man in black? That's the man in black. Yeah. And so that's why he wants this journey to end, because he is conscious of it where Roland is not. Interesting. Yeah, that does sound better than what I've been hearing. But that is the only prism of which this movie works. If you have, don't have that knowledge going in, that this is just another turn of the wheel of many turns behind it, mm -hmm. that there's been this many changes to make this world so much different than what you read in the books, the movie makes no sense. But with that in mind, not only does the movie make sense, it makes sense that this will not be the final one either. That this is, until that wheel breaks, this exists. And it makes sense in continuity with the books. So you're saying you can just keep running reboot after reboot of this thing with different actors, different everything. Yes, yes you could. Absolutely. And it would make perfect sense. Yes, you could. According to... The Doctor Who. My God, shit. you may have found yeah. the perfect Hollywood movie. <laughs> no, no, we haven't. That's the problem. Doctor Who to Roland. Mm. Now, again, this is not an adaptation. This is definitely a sequel to those books. That's the only way they looked at. Yeah, it's a continuation. But not a conclusion. And uh, and not a conclusion, definitely. The the movie ends, it continues on. And there are there's the changes in this versus the book are so significant that it can only be viewed that way. That's the only way this makes any sense. Hmm. This is not an adaptation in any way. Interesting. That but so many changes that 
Jake's backstory is completely different. That yeah. Roland's backstory is completely different. That Walter is the only one that knows what's going on. And he's done with it. Wow. I like well, your, your spoilers have been the first thing that made me really interested in watching and going through all this stuff. But again, if you haven't had that journey of the actual eight books of the Dark Tower mm-hmm. to inform this movie... Eight books of the Dark Tower and then uh, 15 sub-books and side-books and sure. parts you have to read. Which are just there to enhance the Dark Tower itself. You don't need it for the movies. Mm-hmm. You could just read the eight books and be fine with this movie. But without that, this movie makes no sense. Hmm. None at all. That is the only way you can be happy with this movie. I do, again, hope they make this into a TV show that actually adapts the books. I think it can happen. It's going to take a lot to do that. The mythos within these books are so thick. That prism aside, is it a good movie? Is it a well-made movie? No. No, no okay. it has good moments. He has, has great action moments. Uh, Walter seems more powerful in this than he yeah. ever did in the books. Yeah. He is, a he is and that again makes sense to the fact that he has been in this cycle so many times and is aware of it, and therefore his power is growing and the knowledge is going over and over again. This movie condenses the whole series in a way because the books end with the breakers trying to destroy the tower. And in this one, they're using kids that have The Shining, a la, you know, the book The Shining. Mm -hmm. The book has a bunch of kidnapped people, not kids as such. And breaking the tower is actually an enjoyable thing to do. It is it is a great it's. When you're really good at something and you're able to express your talents and you feel good about what you've done, that's how the breakers feel about the tower. They don't realize they're destroying the world in doing so. They just know that they have been brought together and are well taken care of in this little city in the desert that they have everything they ever want or need. It's, so that's one of the many changes. Mm-hmm. In the, here they are kidnapped kids who go through our attached to machines that hurt them when they break the tower. Yeah. But that also informs Walter you quickening things up, saying, I know how this tower has to go down. We don't have to coddle these people. Let's just take them, steal their energy, shoot the tower down, and be done with it. Mm-hmm. We have to just find the one right kid that has enough power to bring it down, and I can stop living this curse. It's very cool. That's very interesting. What do you think of the very last scene in the movie? That's what's kind of confusing. The last scene in the movie where they, Gunslinger and Jake, that one where they go into a behind-the-door portal and zoom off somewhere. Yeah, uh, Roland is just like, well, I got to leave. How about you come with me? I got a lot of things to do. Like, what? Yeah, well, he's. that's one thing that never... Really trans. That's one of the weirdest parts of this movie because the book is about Roland's obsession for the tower. He only is going after the man in black because he has information about the tower. Yes, he had uh, done horrible things to him and his family in the past, and yes, he wants to kill him, but he also has knowledge of the tower that he needs. And the man in black doesn't figure a lot into the books. He figures into the gunslinger. He makes an appearance in part four, and he makes an appearance toward the end, and that is it. And for someone, and he is the absolute antagonist of this movie to it the nth degree, hmm. and just a hint of the Crimson King knowledge 
just thrown out there with just a sprinkle. Yeah, who is <laughs> yeah, who is really weirdly handled in the books. I'm not sure I liked how the books handled the Crimson King at the end, the final battle between Roland and the Crimson King, mm-hmm. which basically boiled down to the Crimson King has been locked outside the tower and on a balcony. He was only able to go up so far, and he has a collection of uh, sneeches, as they're called, which are basically bombs that you throw and can seek out things. That just seemed weirdly human for such a supernatural creature, especially when you read Insomnia. Insomnia, the Crimson King, is shown as a really powerful, that he's like way above in the Tower of Power. And then with the ending of Dark Tower, he was kind of just humanized a little too much, kind of described as kind of like a Santa Claus looking guy. Mm-hmm. Mm. The ending of that book also shows how he actually becomes more powerful for later iterations, which it's, it's, it's weird, but it works. And again, I love the books. So, so everybody who's been applauding me to take this journey and is supporting me all the way, by all means. And if you want to take the journey, by all means, I support you, Jeff Harris. You're not listening until you're done. But now that, <laughs> now that we're done, you know, I'm glad you made it through, buddy. Because if you're listening now, you just fucked up. <laughs> fucked up Royal. Oops. <laughs> Maybe he's listening to this a few weeks down the line. A few weeks. A few months. Dude's got 15, 17 books to read. Oh, wow. so a few years just down. started. Okay. This will be the, the episode he re- revisits. He like finished the stand. He's reading, the, reading Eyes of the Dragon right now. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like Jake's story, although, frankly, I wanted uh, Roland to be the point of view character I he just, is the point of view in the books yeah and but what they did with jake and i remember enough of the the early books that yeah this is different this is a different jake oh yeah so but at the same time um yeah i, I wished it had been rolling so jake is from the books yeah yes. okay. the name yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know but it, it really is kind of different um yeah forget it jake it's chinatown the, the for me, the the movie seems like the climactic episode of a series, the ending of a series, which really jibes with what you're saying. Really makes a lot of sense. But it it just felt like there was so much behind it, and I knew it was there. And they kind of they needed explanations for everything you saw. Yeah, and they couldn't they couldn't put it all in there, which was just really really rough. And that final moment really that struck me as totally tacked on. Definitely. I definitely felt... And, and not only that, but it felt out of character of Roland. Yes. It to- he would totally do Jake would want to go with Roland. And Roland would be like... Eh. Yeah. Now, maybe Jake talking him into... I mean, because it's yeah. really funny. Roland says, there's nothing here for you. It would seem to me that like Jake would be like, there's nothing here for me, Roland. Yeah. Please take me with you. You know? And I don't know. And then maybe there that, were little yeah, bits... That's one of the things that he gained in one of his many trips through is a paternal sense or something. I don't know. Yeah, but he doesn't have it up until that final fight. And it, it was just weird because he also said, I've got things to do. And it's like, what have you got? It's been all about the man in black. You're done. Yeah. You're done. They, there was no obsession with the tower with this Roland. Yeah. At all. And maybe that's something that's different in this wheel and... Now he's starting to feel the pull of the tower. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Because. Oh, so the tower they, is not destroyed. No. Okay. No, they save it. Okay. 
They save the tower. And it's established that Jake probably can destroy it. But he's strong enough that he actually resists the attempts to make him destroy it, which is kind of cool. I mean, there were little bits and pieces like that that were cool. There, throughout you know. the mo- movie, uh, watching the books, I, it, it, I was having giddy moments of like, yeah, that's from the book. Wait, that's not from the book. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's kind of from the book. I see where this is coming from. And so there, there were things in there to pull you in. They were ham-fisted and ridiculous Easter eggs for all of Stephen King's works thrown in right. there. Kid um, haphazardly on the side playing with a Christine car, you know. Did mm. you notice during the final the battle... Final battle when they step out of the building into the alley after they're done and they're in New York. In the alleyway, there's a sign: Barlow and Strakers. What? Why Salem's that? Lot. Yeah. Oh, that's the uh, antique shop. Yep, the antique shop. the The vampire and his caretaker. And what? And I think the thing that really shows that this movie has a exposition problem is I, I stayed through the credits. Just because I usually do for most movies, whether there's a stinger or not. And in the casting of the character names, they were naming certain vampires, like like girl vampire, uh, suited right. vampire. And nowhere in the movie did it show that there was a vampire. No, the closest you got was Jackie Earl Haley. And you're not even sure what the hell his... I mean, he yeah. he well, gives him the splinter with Jake's blood on it, and he licks it, and he's like, ooh, the shine... Don't worry, boss. I'll hunt him down. Does he say the shine? Yeah, yeah. That's the shine is your psychic energy. Right. No, I mean that was the original title of the book. I remember that they, they changed it because uh, somebody pointed out to Stephen King that that was a, a derogatory name for black people, and there was a major black character in the book. So. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I guess he was a vampire, but right. you wouldn't know it from watching it. No, I kind of. I kind of guess, but then again, and it's one of those things where when the final battle happens, all the vampires grab their machine guns. Yeah. So it's like, okay, <laughs> all right. And it, it was funny. Traditional weapon of the vampire, though, wasn't it? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, it, it, they had some cute moments, like before they get to Earth, Roland's like, do they have guns in your world? And he's like, yeah. Do they have bullets or are they rare like here? And Jake's like, you're going to like my world. Yeah. And they go to a gun shop. And it's really funny because they show him as the gunslinger. And he they, they have some neat, funky tricks where, like, he does this rapid reload of his six-shooter, mm-hmm. spinning the barrel, all with literally just his thumb. But then he's, like, looking at speed revolver speed loaders, the six rounds all at once. Yeah, sure. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, it's fun and it's cool, but at the same time, that, that he wouldn't need that. They even have him in during one of his the shootouts with the vampires. He flicks bullets off of his gun belt into the into the revolver, and it's like he look guys, you yourselves have established he doesn't really need the speed loaders. The only reason he got the speed loaders in the movie is so he can have that one scene where they go up in the air and he can load it yes. in the air. That's the right. only reason they're there. Which was a very fun moment. Sure, the way he offed Walter, I fucking loved it. Yes, I fucking loved it. And I loved how Walter fought him. Yeah. And I loved just how powerful and scary Walter was. Yeah. Almost a hint of Kilgrave in yeah. how mm. he was Yeah, kind of, sort of. Stop breathing. Yeah. And just, it, yeah, it just, uh, I hope Idris gets his movie, because this, this obviously was not it. Sure, and 
I kind of hope it stops just so it can gestate for a few years and somebody else can take up the mantle. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. actually adapt the work. Yeah, he, he, I hope he gets something else. But I'm looking at this as a fun experiment as long as you look at it the right way. But that's it. Codes to enter in portals. Oh, the, the technology. I like that. That was sort of a, it kind of had a Brazil quality to it. Yes. You know, it's futuristic technology, but it's very, very art deco or whatever the fuck, diesel punkish. Right. And it's, it's, and it's it felt aesthetic. ancient, huge, and clunky. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the Lots aesthetic of in the book. Clunky dials and, and, and knobs that instead of instead of just simple touch buttons. To, yeah. oh, I look forward to watching it. It's at the $2 store, $2 movie theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, is it up to $2? Yeah, you make me yeah. want to go see it. Depends on what time, time of the week you go. Yeah, it it it's I'm not I'm not like some of our viewers who's just oh this is trash and all that stuff. But at the same time it yeah, it was it was it was not it was not a movie that's that's totally like oh see this and mm-hmm. it's a well-crafted nope. explanation of the dark tower and anything. So your explanation helps a lot. Mm. It helps a whole lot, but it um yeah, I just, I really, I honestly did. I just wanted Idris Elba to have a great tent pole. So you recommend this movie with kavats? I recommend with this movie with a lot of knowledge going into it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll recommend Todd's recommendation. Mm, there you go. Because so, like I said, I've read the first four and a half movie, uh, four and a half movies. I read the first four and a half books so I could draw on things and I knew enough about the series. Um so I wasn't lost, but boy, oh boy, you could see people getting lost. And the editing did get a little bit choppy. Oh, I, yeah. I got a distinct sense of the, he had a two-hour, some-odd-minute movie, and they told him, you got to get it down to underneath 100 minutes. Yeah, yeah somebody, this, somebody this, somewhere pointed out that there, we now have a nine-hour Hobbit movie and a 90-minute <laughs> uh, Dark Tower movie. Yeah. A fine, yeah. A fine observation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, one unnecessarily long, one not long enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. And there, there's what? there still could be a good movie in here somewhere with the other footage and edited properly, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I can't even promise that. Yeah, but uh, it's a convoluted mess, but one that I liked only because I'd read the books. Alrighty then. And that's all I got to say about that. What you got to say, write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. What's your Dark Tower? <laughs> right? Yeah, no <laughs> shit. And, uh, and then uh, I've also started reading Black right, Company. Black Company. From so, the Dark Tower to the Black Company. Right. Uh, so. so I'm nearly finished. I'm uh, probably about 30, 40 pages away from the end. If the that. first book? First book. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that one. That the mercenaries book. are yeah. evil, and then they don't know yeah. what true evil is until they with that queen. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh. The the. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed the first book. I don't think I read, read any of the others after that. Right. I gave you the first one, but yeah, I left the others up to you. It's it's yeah. been it's been a weird read for me so far. I've liked what I've read. Mm-hmm. It hasn't connected to me, and then of course it's because it's not character driven. It's situation driven. Yeah. No. It it gets character driven a little. Later on in the series, because he eventually he just gets wrapped up in the character of Croker. Okay, I, and, and, I, and I can see story. that because by the end of it, I'm like, okay, here are some characters I'm starting to attach right. to. 
but yeah. all the way through up till now, it is it has just been one situation after another without a real story, just a series of vignettes. I'd almost equate it to the early Witcher novel. Yeah. Hmm. In fact, um, the scene where they're let's see how far are you into when are you where they're I, I am to the point where they're at the ladies tower and she's released elephants okay alright oh the battle of charm yeah okay so Raker when they're going after Raker the mm-hmm. rebel general mm-hmm. that scene I'm, I'm, I'm riffing off of your term the vignettes because that scene was actually like a short story scene sold a magazine of fantasy and science fiction that makes sense way back in the early mm. 80s that's what this seems like yeah and, and it's funny too because that's a that's a great scene because mm-hmm. they're like facing down with this real ultimate sorcerer and it's like there's like three or four of them in the room with this guy, and w- there's there's they're still hardcore, even though they know they're overmatched. Mm-hmm. So they're like silently exchanging looks with uh, Elmo, the sergeant. I think he's at this uh, the the fireplace heating up water for tea, and the looks they exchange, they're ready for him to throw the boiling water in this mad sorcerer's face. So they can either fuck shit up or get the hell out. And it's really funny because you're reading that scene and you're like, you guys are going to die. You're totally going to fucking die. And then they don't do it. Other things happen. And it sort of gets, it, it happens like that a lot. There's like, oh, we're building up, we're building up, we're building Oh, thank Christ. That's the way yes. I watch Pulp yes. Fiction. So watch Pulp Fiction right. the whole way going, oh, there's no way Bruce Willis survives this sucker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and... It's, but a lot of the motif about it, too, the ten who were taken, the mythology behind those sorcerers and stuff and everything like that. That, that stuff building out. The world building is interesting. Yeah. Even it though it's, it's still way early in mm-hmm. that, obviously. But. And he goes in really weird directions in later on in the series. So it's sort of like, ah, I had a hard time a little later in the series because he started really going off. But okay. the first few... The first three books, and then he has a standalone, which I won't explain why it's a standalone, but he has a standalone uh, fourth book, and then the series will continue after that. So Okay. But yeah, it's I I definitely recommend it. And if you have any liking whatsoever for Grimdark, this is the godfather of Grimdark. Hmm. So I'll be finishing it. Well, probably the next two days. So now in the description, you have to add spoilers for Black Company, too. <laughs> no, not really. No real spoilers in this. Yeah. I mean, okay, sure. They don't throw the water in his face. Big deal. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. yeah, that's small change. That's real small change. Yeah. yeah. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact Jack Dandy. Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Wow, that went over two hours. Wow. Oh, well, we had to wait me. for Andy. <laughs> oh, okay, that's true. <laughs> And it's not because of that. The last 20 minutes was uh, <laughs> the attack on after we basically said goodbye. So yeah. That's true. We'd, that's, well, we yeah. usually we were that. done, and then all of a sudden, no, here's another 20 minutes. We got excited <laughs> about Black Company there. Anybody I, was like, I was just sitting here going, I have no idea what's going on and what's here. Fu- what's funny <laughs> is that only the people that have read The Dark Tower listen to The Black Company part. Sure. Let's hope we turn them on to that. No, no. Um, is anybody free Thursday to go see the um, Rift Tracks Doctor Who thing? I am not. I'm f- keeping my fingers crossed. Okay. I might, might get to do that on Thursday. That's going to be fun. Oh, the five doctors, right? Yeah. 
The you know, those... 83 classic, I think it was 83 or 84? Somewhere around there, yeah. I, I, I have a hard time getting into Doctor Who I know every you do. time. But Nobody's I do perfect, love... I do love when they're multiple doctors, when right. they do those crossovers. Yeah. There's a really good one that doesn't show up in the... Uh, when it was on Netflix, it didn't show up in it. It takes place between episodes, and it was um, a charity thing they do. And oh, it, yeah, they... Uh, yeah, it was the uh, the Christmas, uh, not Christmas, but uh, yeah, the charity event where uh, Peter Davidson's fifth Doctor and right. David Tennant's uh, fourth, for, for David Tennant's tenth, tenth Doctor tenth. slash eleventh, depending on right way they where count, you follow yeah. in the timeline, which is ironic because Peter Davidson is David Tennant's father-in-law, right? And then there's actually an episode of Doctor Who Which where... Which is also how he got him to do it. <laughs> right. Well, there's also an episode of Doctor Who where, through some sort of quirk, Doctor ends up having a, ends up having a daughter, and that's yes. played by his wife, who's yes. Peter Davidson. Peter Davidson's daughter. Daughter, yes. 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 It's very complicated real-world, fake-world stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> I just like that line. Very complicated real-world, fake-world stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's all timey wimey, bubbly wobbly, wobbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. <laughs> Wubba lubba dub dub. 